0: must protect sugar, thieves everywhere. The strong must protect the sweet, the sweet. Homer? In America, first you get the sugar, then you get the power, then you get the women. Homer! Huh?
1: Homer! What? Hello? what? what? I want you to forget about guarding the stupid sugar. You're being completely paranoid. Oh, am I? Am I really?
0: Aha! Uh-huh. Hello. All right, pal. Where'd you get the sugar for that tea? I nicked it when you let your guard down for that split second. And i do it again. <sighs> Goodbye. You see, Marge? you see?
1: Homer, when are you going to give up this crazy sugar scheme?
0: Never! Never, Marge! I can't live the button-down life like you. I want it all. The terrifying lows, the dizzying highs, the creamy middles. Sure, I might offend a few of the blue noses with my cocky stride and musky odors. Oh, I'll never be the darling of the so-called city fathers who cluck their tongues, stroke their beards, and talk about what's to be done with this homie Simpson. Look, just get rid of the sugar, okay? No! (laughs) Hey! Get off my sugar! Bad beast! Bad! Ow! Ow! Oh, they're defending themselves somehow!
2: Yeah, you need to, we started recording at exactly the, r- the right moment. And you guys missed the, the fun half, which is the early. We got half. it all out right. <laughs>
0: guess we'll shoot it all out before we. You'll start recording. never, you'll never guess what you'll, we invented, basically. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. it's. I'll give at, you a hint, Ridley Scott. <laughs> look, look on it. Uh, <laughs> look for it on shelves
2: near you soon.
0: <laughs> yeah, dude. <clears throat> um, um. Anyway. Hey, everybody. Hello. Spinecrackers Hello, here. Everyone.
2: Spycrackers podcast. Yeah. Another yep. one. Another one. Is happening. This now. is we forgot to memorialize it last week. It's not really it doesn't matter, but last week was our fortieth episode. Wow. So this Gabe, is You're like a clinging girl. This is episode 41. <laughs> I know, I know. Hey, did you this guys is... know that <laughs> last week was our actually our fortieth episode? <laughs>
1: Wait, this is our 41st episode? You
0: forgot? Oh, my God. This is our one-month anniversary of having gotten ice cream at that (laughs) one place one time. Yeah.
2: You
1: you could say that the sum of all our episodes now is 41.
0: That's true.
2: If you add every individual one up, this is the 41st. You could say
1: the sum is some 41. Oh, shit. (laughs) Wow, how did
0: I I not pick up on
2: that? That took a hot minute, dude. It's
1: because my humor is so dry that it doesn't even come across as jokes. Dude. 99% of the time.
0: Can you please remind me of the Sum 41 song that I'm trying to? Cause
2: I'm in too deep, deep and, deep and I'm, trying I'm trying
3: to keep up above in my head.
2: That was one. There's a few. There's a, a few remember.
3: others. a few other hit hitters.
2: There were
0: probably there were only like two right that had the big. There's
2: whatever. that one and then there's uh, there's Fat Lip, which is the one where they do a lot of rapping.
0: Oh, mm. that one guy who's like. Yeah, Yeah, I feel
1: like when I'm 70 years old, I'm gonna be mixing Parappa the Rapper with some 41. And, like <laughs> I'm just, gonna, I'm gonna think, and they're gonna be the same person melded. Can in my you head. sing
0: one song from Parappa the Rapper? N-
1: no, <laughs> I don't even. I don't think I even played it, so I, I actually don't know any of the songs. I just remember like seeing it.
0: Uh, almost certainly a better rapper than some 41. Oh yes, of course. And that one guy from Evanescence. Evanescence, yeah. Oh, oh All yeah. Of those bands had rappers. no.
2: Are you thinking of Linkin yeah. Park? Linkin Park had a rapper.
0: Oh my god! You're thinking of Linkin Park. I am You're thinking, thinking of Linkin Park. Park. Yeah. Shit. Rest in peace, right, Chester? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We've talked about this before. Yeah, we have. Yeah, but, but it I bears okay. repeating. F in the chat. When I play my brothers and uh, like video games, like specifically Dragon Ball Z Budokai. Oh God. I uh, I would always be Krillin. And I'd do Destructo Disc and knock them off of the stage. And that's, you know, like, sort of Virtua Fighter style. Like, that's how you could win. And then uh, I would sing. I tried so <laughs> I tried so hard and got so far, but in the end it didn't even matter. Nice. And they would get so... I bet your, br- I bet your brothers <laughs> loved that. They were so... They would, like, black out. They were so angry. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's classic brother behavior.
2: Short-circuit them. Yeah. Um... I'm, my name's Gabe, by the way. Listener. My name is Paul. Paul. This is the Spine Crackers podcast. We said that at least already. We did say it, yeah. Yeah. Um, and this week... First of all, hold on, shout-outs to was. you, listener, but uh, join our Patreon, patreon.com slash Spine Our Discord is up and running. We'll, all three of us are on it. It's popping off. Uh, we're rising. Spine Crackers are unstoppable. Uh... Mm. uh B- we jo- are the future. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Instagram, Twitter. Don't get left in the fucking dust.
0: Yeah. We will yep. stand atop the corpses of every person who's ever <laughs> spoken about books, period. That's honestly. right.
1: And you, their backs will be broken.
0: YouTubers, Except for those who've chosen to befriend us in a that's right. wise move. And if
2: you're doing that, get in on it early. Yeah. Because yeah. once this because rocket we only have... leaves the station, it's no new friends, baby.
1: Yeah, we only have there's only five days left to subscribe to any of our stuff. And That's after not that, true. You can't. That's false. No. You have five days to subscribe to our YouTube channel. After that, never again. So
0: we won't accept fans or anything. TikTok.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: that statement is not true.
1: Not true, sorry.
3: <laughs>
2: but satirical. Uh, but yes. Do it soon. Terror. Do it soon. The sooner the better. Sooner the better, really. Um, so all right, well, this week, I, w- welcome to Spinecrackers Middle School Edition. Uh, mm.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Spinecrackers Middle School After School Special. All, all you 8th graders out intellect.
1: there, listen up.
2: <laughs> for all of our 8th grade fans
0: out there. <laughs> yeah, okay. if
2: you're looking
1: for some sort of... I gotta defend myself.
2: Notes, wait, wait. we haven't even this said this what pick. the book is. We haven't even said what the book is. Yeah, yeah, is. chill, chill, chill. This week, we're reading... Uh, legendary American author, sort of seemingly... Jason Statham.
0: <laughs> I feel like this man is... I love the flag. <laughs> I have to transport the flag to the Washington, D.C. <laughs> uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if you
2: guys have this sense, but I feel like this guy is not very hip these days. He's kind of not like... I don't know. No. I don't see a lot of people talking about him or, or whatever. Maybe it's because it's all played out. But we're talking about Mr. John Steinbeck's novella. I think we can all – this is a discussion we've also had a million times. I think we, this is mm. all uh, – we can all agree this is a novella.
0: This is officially yeah. is
2: a novella.
1: It is a novella. I'm going to actually classify it as a pamphlet of a book.
2: Oh, wow. Pan- okay. Because
1: it looks like and feels like a pamphlet I feel like hand.
2: pamphlets is are like – political inherently like it has to be informational
0: it's literature in the sense of like yeah a a weird religious group will come to your door and be like we have some literature here for you you can keep and And that's us doing it right now yeah it is a folded thing yeah
2: anyway so we're reading john steinbeck's novella from 1947 uh the pearl
0: yeah
1: Mm Mm-hmm. yes i'm gonna explain why we're reading this book
0: it's paul's choice
1: it is my choice, but <laughs> what happened this week was th- this wasn't supposed to be the week for this book. And Matt texted us That's on true. Thursday. Yes, it was right. like holy I shit! I read, I read. I read. I'm putting. I'm throwing you directly under the bus, re- directly awesome. under the wheels, Matt. <laughs> That's cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Matt read the Pearl instead, and was like, just "Oh shoot! Read I read the, the Pearl. wrong book. Just fully read yeah. the
0: wrong book. I read the wrong book
1: this week. So we were like, okay, let's just do the Pearl this week. And mind
2: you, we have a readily accessible Google Doc with all of the books, with yes. dates that we're reading coming up. So it's and pretty easy. Paul Paul, so and Paul mentions the Pearl one time in our group chat. Yeah, and that, and I and didn't that say, just jumps to the conclusion that that's the book we're reading this week Pearl, for some Pearl. reason. Read Pearl? Read Pearl?
0: I'm sorry if my mind is a steel trap. That just takes something All I, in and never lets go.
2: <laughs> All I
1: wrote was, I got the pearl today. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: uh. But when I got it, I was like, this book is so short. And I was, like, and really I was actually and planning to not pick it. I was going to, like, you know, because it was going to be in, like, four weeks or so. And I was like, I'm going to pick a different one. But... We read it though. We read this
2: book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, yeah. And we're about to we're about to do it, and then we're about to talk about it. We are right. Well, I so... like
0: I like the throwback stuff because I like like we can throw this into the similar category as Gatsby in terms of like canonical kind of uh, American writers and the fiction they've written and and it being taught. Yes, you Big are time. right. Like I did literally read this in middle school myself yeah
2: and i asked i was just talking to one of our patrons on our discord today about it and Mm -hmm. he also confirmed that this was a middle school read for him
0: yeah it's part of whatever like standardized curriculum it is suggested yeah what i mean to like middle school teachers
2: and so it'll be one sort of interesting thing that i think will that will come out over the course of the discussion is like this question of Because presumably you teach things in middle school that are supposed to be kind of like entry-level literature, stuff that obviously a middle schooler can comprehend. We talked a little bit about some of the symbolism in The Great Gatsby as kind of like, you know, baby's first symbols – and stuff yeah. like that, right, and so yeah. it'll be yeah. interesting to sort of talk through
0: like where this book might fall on that kind of spectrum. Um, well, pedagogically, it's kind of it could be an interesting thing to just discuss as like yeah, maybe in terms of why it would be placed right in that like time frame of education. Mm-hmm. You so give us a rundown. So yeah, Paul, you know
2: why like you you did pick this at some point with the intention to read it. What was your yes. thought process then?
1: Well, it, okay. Well, you you had been hounding me to fill up my list. So one night, I <laughs> I was just like, can you guys? Can Googled
2: anyone it. can anyone tell that I just love this list and I'm very <laughs> proud of it and excited about it? Uh, oh,
0: read the list, know what it, we're reading. Yeah, edit. oh go.
1: <laughs> so after like you know two weeks of you telling me to do it, I was like, oh shit, okay, I'm gonna do it tonight. And I just Googled a bunch and filled up a few good books I think in my other picks and I moved some around and this was just happened to be one of them I was like I was googling you know like less than 200 page good books and this was just on a list so that was basically <laughs> it yeah. I mean the other I also have never read any steinbeck I didn't read this in middle school and I I didn't even know what he had written but I was like I've heard that name before so I should read one of his books
0: You went by the numbers uh, 200 or less Just go and chalk
1: Yeah, yeah. and it ended up being like 90
0: <laughs> it's definitely I didn't under two hundred.
2: Yeah, so it's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I do yeah, just want to say, dude. Our uh, b- one more point about the list. We have I I am very proud of the list of books that we've read and have coming up. It's diverse as shit and it's good. So, shout outs to us. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Good point. We're great.
0: <laughs> so we've gotten the sort of. The background about why this are you suggesting sort of unlikely and somewhat regrettable choice is occurring?
1: Um. No.
2: Yeah. Yes. I think Matt's yes, just Matt's trying to defend his choice last week.
1: <laughs> his choice to to just read. Go ahead and read.
0: Listen.
2: No. 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 I mean, I mean the I... last book we read. But we oh. Had, okay. I mean, none of us oh, yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: we had fun it was fun that's okay it was fun and it's the friends along the way that's right okay i love
1: to hate and i hated that book it was fun (laughs) to hate it
2: right so what the hell is this book about paul
1: this book's about a guy i mean it's it's about an an evil pearl that basically comes out of the ocean (laughs) it's a giant evil pearl and are it you wreaks it, are havoc you... in the town, and it, people die. A baby dies, <laughs> and people learn life lessons along the way. Um, are,
2: you, are you saying this book? It's a has, horror novel. Are you for saying sure. it has sci-fi elements?
1: Definitely sci-fi elements. I mean, it's a it's a classic horror novel, right? Am I right? It's spooky. I mean, it comes right out of the ocean. Yeah. Um. Yep. I don't know. I don't really even want to freaking talk about the freaking uh it's really it's really just a cut and dry story about a guy who uh he's a poor man with a family a wife and a baby and i don't know his
2: takes place in, is he in, a fisherman he's a fisherman he's yeah it, well no it's like la Paz. it's like baja like count Cal- like southern Mex- the southern baja peninsula in, yeah. Mexico, yeah. Mexico. in mexico Oh, okay la, la paz which i thought it was place. mexico
1: but when i read the back Maybe I read it wrong. Yeah, I read it wrong. (laughs) It does play, yeah, you're right.
0: It's still called Um, California, but it's a Mexican territory. It's like, uh, yeah, it's a little confusing. It's the southern Baja Peninsula. Right. But it is technically one of the few stories that doesn't take place in California in Steinbeck's In
2: his egg, in his
0: egg of work.
1: His pearl of an egg. Ooh. yeah
0: <laughs> we're already getting into some deep connections <laughs> Do you think the pearl goes in someone's ass <laughs> oh <laughs> jesus it goes Christ. In the no one thought about that when they were in he was hiding it from the from all the greedy people in the village yeah it could have gone in his ass Or maybe that's why they wanted
2: it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's smooth as hell looking. definitely that creepy sweaty doctor that's why he wanted it
0: well, yeah. this is this reminds me
1: of the joke I I told you guys in my text and no one responded about when I was reading the book after like ten pages I was like I'm just gonna substitute the word dildo with the pearl to make this more enjoyable and it's it, it's really it funny work. it did work it did yeah, it work works. it works for every
2: sentence it mostly works yeah
0: yeah if anyone's reading the pearl and is in middle school or or just reading it just that, call that it the dildo that one's every for time. our middle school audience for yes, sure yes for sure Definitely.
2: <laughs> um, okay well. Yeah. Do we want to do any more plot de- exposition than that? Or. There's so little. I mean, like, it's
1: a, it's a folktale. Matt said you, it's kind of based on a Mexican folktale, right? I didn't know that. Yeah. It reads like a folktale.
0: I don't know how widespread it's or like widely known or popularized it was because it's. I, so I didn't I didn't fully like do a deep dive on it. <laughs> pun intended. Uh, for the pearl of wisdom. For the pearl of wisdom about whether or not this folktale was like legit. Or was like, a, or, or it could just be a very colloquial and like parochial kind of story.
1: Parochial.
0: Per- very parochial. It's very specific Pearl. to that region, which apparently Steinbeck went to, and um, yes, like he basically just heard the story and liked it a lot, and uh okay. that's it, what it uh, that's what it says, very loosely, and so mm. you know who knows who told it to him or whatever, but yeah.
2: Well, so yeah, so this is actually. Um, I have like so so yeah so Steinbeck was very interested in uh like marine biology and like um what's it fucking called when you study plants uh arbot no <laughs> like holy shit botany botany botany, botany. thank you Paul Sick. um he was interested in, you know he was sort of like a, a pseudo like naturalist and he was very close friends with a guy named Ed Ricketts, who was, I think, professionally some sort of marine biologist or something like that. And um, Ricketts serves as the inspiration for a number of characters through Steinbeck's book. But they went on like a basically like a walkabout. Ricketts took Steinbeck on one of his sailing trips to various places, you know, in South America and Central America and stuff. And um, they wrote a book about it together called the Sea of Cortez yeah. uh, right which is um, and that that's that book is where Steinbeck first relates this kind of folk tale about the guy, a guy who finds a pearl. And I actually think it might just be worth reading because it's it's literally like two paragraphs. it's very short. Um, and it kind of it's interesting to think to see the ways that that story differs and overlaps with the actual,
0: novella that Steinbeck wound up producing and it's fun to just have like uh that's that meta story about l- hearing the story and how stories themselves kind of like simmer yes and change and like yeah so yeah yeah go for it all right so I'm just gonna read it so this is this is from Steve Cortez
2: um and Steinbeck and and Ricketts are uh visiting sort of are in and around La Paz um And, as in all concentrations of natural wealth, the terrors of greed were let loose on the city again and again. An event which happened at La Paz in recent years is typical of such places. An Indian boy, by accident, found a pearl of great size, an unbelievable pearl. He knew its value was so great that he need never work again. In his one pearl, he had the ability to be drunk as long as he wished, to marry any one of a number of girls, and to make many more a little happy, too. In his great pearl lay salvation, for he could in advance purchase masses sufficient to pop him out of purgatory like a squeezed watermelon seed. In in addition, he could shift the number of dead relatives a little nearer to paradise. He went to La Paz with his pearl in his hand and his future clear into eternity in his heart. He took his pearl to a broker and was offered so little that he grew angry, for he knew he was cheated. Then he carried his pearl to another broker and was offered the same amount. After a few more visits, he came to know that the brokers were only uh, were only the many hands of one head and that he could not sell his pearl for more. He took it to the beach and hid it under a stone. And that night he was clubbed into unconsciousness and his unconsciousness and his clothing was searched. The next night he slept at the house of a friend and his friend and he were injured and bound and the whole house was searched. Then he went inland to lose his pursuers and he was waylaid and tortured. But he was very angry now and he knew what he must do. Hurt as he was, he crept back to La Paz in the night and he skulked like a hunted fox to the beach and took out his pearl from under the stone. Then he cursed it and threw it as far as he could into the channel. He was as a free man again and his soul in danger and his food and shelter insecure. And he laughed a great deal about it. And then Stambeck says, I'll just read this next, his kind of quick commentary. This seems to be a true story, but it is so much like a parable that it almost can't be. This Indian boy is too heroic, too wise and. He knows too much and acts on his knowledge. In every way, he goes contrary to human direction. The story is probably true, but we don't believe it. It is far too reasonable to be true. So was it true? I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, very, that's his fascination. I, I, I have a feeling he probably heard some sort of story like that at some point.
0: It's a very good summary of the plot points for the most Yeah, part. why
1: didn't we just read that? We could have just read that. <laughs> don't the whole the pl- book. Thank you the for joining book. us. We
0: actually just read
2: you the whole book. Bye. Yeah. Basically, Bye. I I do think, and we can get into this. I think there are a lot of important differences thematically between that story that I just read you and the actual Pearl, the novella that Steinbeck produced. But that we can get into that a little bit later.
0: Yeah, I mean, basically, you know, the most, I don't know, what what would you call it? Like the the, the most uh, surface reading. Would be just that uh, a kind of like money is the root of all evil, sort of tale, but you know with an available object and uh, the woe yeah. it brings upon these people as uh, uh, you know I guess specifically like this uh, poorer family who's a, a bit naive at first about uh, their good fortune yeah. in receiving all this great wealth instead of like what happens in reality which is that uh, a bunch of envious and violent devious people who uh come out of the woodwork
2: yes
1: mhm yeah that's like the surface level and then my my take almost immediately was like why did if you win the lottery why do you why would you shout it to everyone in your town <laughs> as soon as you like get the ticket like he he gets the pearl in, out of the clam or whatever and gets into his boat and he's just like,
3: "Pearl, I got the fucking biggest pearl!" And
1: like everyone knows immediately. And I read that I was like, "Dude, you probably don't want to broadcast that." To
2: was there everyone? I was trying to remember. <laughs> do, 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 is there ever a scene people try to steal the Willy Wonka's golden ticket from Charlie? Right, at the beginning um, of that story, when he when he no, first he's gets bribed
0: it, by Oh yeah. Paul. Oh, someone Slughorn. tries to bribe him out of it. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Slughorn. Yeah, 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 yeah. Slughorn. Right. <laughs> right. <clears throat> anyway, that just.
1: Crossed but he my ends mind. up working for for Willie.
2: Yes, that's right. It's a test of character. Yep. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you're right, Paul. So so this guy, this pearl diver slash fisherman, whose name is Kino. Um Kino. There's basically like five, four characters that are named, I think, or five. There's Kino, the guy that finds the pearl. This pearl diver fisherman, his wife Juana, their mm-hmm. child Coyotito. Um, Kino's brother Juan Tomas, or is it is it, is it just Thomas? Yep. I yeah,
0: Juan Tomas. Tomas. Um, Juan Tomas. Yeah. And then
2: his wife Apollonia, who's not really right. a major character. But I think I don't think anyone else in the story is name gets a name. Um, no, it's just no. their
0: like kind of fashion.
2: Yeah, so it's basically. a very kind of small cast of characters, which fits with the sort of. Um, I, I want what's the what's the term for. It's not parabolic,
0: but, but like no, I was thinking parable that word too parable-esque. The parable. Pa-
2: the par- well, but, but I want to use it as a as an adjective, right? Like it's the the, the parable-like nature of this. Let's just story. say it's
1: para- parabolotion.
2: <laughs> okay. Um, which so I think it fits, right? It's a small cast of characters, sort of simple sort of direct plot right and i think you're right matt that the kind of obvious and so like okay so yeah he gets the pearl various people try to take it from him and he he then goes to attempt to sell it and is sort of uh cheated presumably by the pearl buyers there which is there's like three of them in his small town um, he's like
1: conspiratorially stonewalled by yes, like a faction of-
2: right well yeah to, but they but they all work for the same guy right the pearl buyers yeah. all work for one guy and they kind of conspire pres- who we, we never meet
0: well it's I think, sort of I, this I think what's important if you're going to discuss a parable right is 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 to stick in this case really strictly with you know the 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 sequence of events as yeah. they happen uh so before that there's we got to do this stuff before the pearl, I would say. Or, like, you know, who, who are Juana and Kino and, like... Okay, yeah. You know, because I, I feel like at, in, in this story in particular, there's just sort of, like, this uh, broadening of the wider world, but it never ceases to... It just increasingly becomes more and more threatening. Yeah. Like, as the... Uh, the scope that the Pearl opens up at first seems like this, like, beautiful sunset vista of their lives from now on forever being cushier and, and all these opportunities and doors opening...
2: Which well, already just
0: just a flag before you keep going, Matt. Sorry, but
2: already yeah. that's a distinction with the the version that I read from Sea of Cortez, in which, in which sorry, Matt just switched his background. Sorry. Um, in no, it's funny. In which in the one that I just read, the guy who finds the pearl only cares about it because he wants to get drunk and like f- have sex. Right. Right. The but in, first thi- in, in, in important this change. in this story, Kino wants the pearl and he sees visions of his son becoming educated and him being able to have a, a, a proper wedding for him and Juana and so on and so forth. And so by and, and buy a rifle, which is like one of the big material things he wants to buy.
0: So like the, the, the big the first big change in, in that then would be the fact that the main male character is now a husband and a father. He's got a family. He's got he's still poor. He's got skin in the game though, as they say, right? Like he's uh his stake in the future is more um emotionally and you know chronologically solidified by the fact of his family and his son. I guess, I don't know. I because this is like there is a bit of that when you say I don't, like uh, idealization of the state of life prior. Although I would say that the the, the story in its entirety complicates the starting point, so that you got to go like, okay, maybe these people were um, uh, uh, in some ways satisfied with their incredibly limited life and 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 the their poverty and all this. But they do kind of, in the course of the book, in the novella, in the parable, kind of run into the what the cause and the of the perpetuation of their situation obliquely.
2: Uh, yeah, they don't like,
0: solve it or like really tackle it. Eventually, they kind of fail to deal with it because it's too powerful ultimately, and they make more of like a um, ethical or what principled move at the end. But yeah.
2: But yeah, I think you're right to point out that at the beginning of the story, Matt, like the first, what you know, kind of the opening description is sort of like, their their life is they're 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 happy, they're like it's a beautiful fucking day, and and of course like the Steinbeck's writing is is great, I think, and it's just yeah. like clear and and concise and and. You know, economical in the best sort of way, but it's like this bucolic scene of him like waking up and and the smells of all the various you know they they basically live in like a hut village on the beach it seems like right yeah and then there's yeah. a small town of La Paz nearby um but all of the scents of the people making their their corn cakes in the morning and the sounds of people getting up and fires starting and da 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 da. And you, I think you're you're right, and it's important that that's presented as as like a, you know, th- th- things aren't so bad for them starting off, at least subjectively, right? Like obviously they're poor, obviously they're, you know, probably like ob- objectively like oppressed and stuff in various sorts of ways, uh, yeah, totally, right? But they themselves don't necessarily feel the like. Um, pressing like any sort of like pressing misery or anything like that it seems like
1: well that's why i mean i think that's why it fits into like the eighth grade reading level category so well is that like it does come across kind of like a shallow interpretation of these of these people it it, is like how matt said before it's kind of like a surface level story like he doesn't dive into many themes the themes that are presented are are very clear to me and kind of basic. And there there is kind of a juxtaposition I think between Steinbeck's ability to write. Like I haven't read any of his other novels, but his writing is really great, obviously. I mean, he's a classic American writer. He's American, right? Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: Oh.
1: Um but so yeah, I haven't read any of his other novels, but the simplicity of this kind of reminded me of like a I was kind of thinking of like a like a painter being like an amazing painter, like maybe and they only paint like daffodils or something. It kind of gave me that vibe.
2: Well, just to add a, a sort of wrinkle to that or push back a little bit, maybe, you know, Steinbeck, you know, I and I've, I have not I'm not like super well versed in Steinbeck. I've read I've read this of Mice and Men. I read um, Tortilla Flat, which is one of his early novels years ago in college, Um, and then like a couple short stories. Um,
0: Matt, have you read much Steinbeck? I read Of Mice and Men. I also think I I read that in high school. Uh, Yep, same. And then I read uh, East of Eden in college. Yeah. Um, Which I thought was actually like fucking really good.
2: Yeah, I want to read that. I want to read Grapes of Wrath, obviously, and he's got a bunch of war writing that I really kind of want to read, but... um, one of the things that Steinbeck all is preoccupied with so he grew up in in mostly in California and bopped around a little bit. but he was very kind of concerned with in this book and and in representing uh, a culture that he was familiar with but was not his naturally, right? So he worked in, in fields with like Mexican day laborers and stuff when he was in California. And he grew up around a lot of these kind of like poor um, uh, Mexican migrants in, in, in the area at the time. And so when he, when he was writing this book, the way I what I read, some of the stuff that I was reading, I think the, the introduction to the edition that I read mentions this. But he was worried about specifically trying to capture the language in a way that was true but also not sort of like i guess appropriative or whatever where he's just like he's he's writing in english for an english-speaking audience but trying to capture spanish as a sort of language and it kind of reminded me a little bit paul just to maybe touch back on your point of like you know how uh murakami like specifically writes in english to keep his writing simple it sort of felt like steinbeck was doing some of something akin to that in in the way he approached writing this novel in general
1: yeah right. maybe i mean i was reading it i think as like cuz i had the folktale idea in my head i was kind of reading it as like maybe like a simplification of language to try to make it more like a like a storytelling experience to like you know so but i agree i think maybe he was doing that also but i mean it's a little bit different because english was his is his yeah. native language so it's kind of a, a strange exercise to p- try to like put your head your mind in the in the mind of a spanish speaker trying to write in english when you yourself that's your number one language
2: i, I mean i think the other one other thing that i'll just put out there and then this is all my all of my background research is basically shot after this but <laughs> yeah you did but, but um one of the other things that Steinbeck was trying to do with this novel, and I think there's a lot of ways that this comes through is basically he was approached by, um, I forget the guy's name, but a, a a sort of well-known filmmaker from Mexico and wanted him to write a book that was adaptable into a screenplay for a film. And this was that book ultimately, and it was turned into a film and it turned out to be, uh, I believe it was the first Mexican made film that was ever commercially distributed in the United States. Um, And so I think one of the other things that Steinbeck had in mind in the writing of this story was uh, trying to sort of write it. Obviously, it's not a screenplay, but with some sort of like filmic um, sensibilities in mind. And I do think you you get that in the reading of it. There's a lot of stuff where it's like close shots and and the perspective widens. And and obviously there's a there's a big use of um, music, weirdly, throughout the book, Um, which which I oh, yes, there's all the different songs. There's the song of the we will talk about this, I'm sure, but the song of the family and the song of the enemy and the song of the, of the pearl and so on and so forth. And so I think one of
0: my favorite elements.
2: Yeah. I think it's really interesting. And I think one of the sort of reasons Steinbeck chose to include that was as a nod to the sort of like potential cinematic future of the book. Do you think Um, that's why the main character was called Kino? That's a, that's an interesting question. (laughs) It could be, I mean, he is, it is referenced in the book that he's named after, uh, I forget the guy's name, but there there, there was a famous um, like Jesuit missionary who went to that part of the world who was named uh, something something Kino. I forget his name off the top of my head. Um, okay. But there is a real person referenced by that name. And I think his brother or the doctor or someone says, oh, you're named after one of the famous people who came here or something before.
0: That's right. Yeah, I think the reverend says that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Every book is a sequel to the last book, though, because that's like definitely what happened with the last book you read.
0: Right? Well, that's true. There is a bizarre link now yeah, between that is weird. between this and altered states, where <laughs>
3: yeah,
0: there is some kind of like, uh, I mean, because the, there was eventually a film, correct, as well, right? For this, for the pearl, there's been a for the pearl, maybe two, including one that was was the one. Did they actually do the film? They did the film. right? They did the
2: film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the yeah. film. I think the film came out the year after, or in in forty eight or forty nine after the And burn. Gabe,
1: I was listening that you weren't and Gabe said that uh it was the first Mexican made or like f- funded movie that came out in America. I listened.
0: Yeah, true. Oh I'm sorry. I'm not <laughs> I'm a piece of shit. I'm not Or
1: were you Googling? Yeah,
0: yeah. Actually literally yeah. You were Googling. Uh, <laughs> well that's interesting. I mean I actually really don't want to watch that now because this definitely has the uh you know, like the bicycle thief or something. Like it has like that kind of potential, filmically. So I, but again, you don't hear it mentioned in the same breath. So I wonder if it's, uh, I wonder how it is as a movie. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so so the movie
1: actually came sucks. out the
2: same year that the book dropped. He wrote he he was writing this in nineteen forty four and nineteen forty five. But they, they waited to release it until the movie was complete. So they released this a- alongside the film, which was directed by Emilio Fernandez.
0: Um, and now people so there you go. think it's so cool when they like make a comic book to go with the Matrix movie or something. And it's like, <laughs> wow, I'm re- I'm, I did a video game to go... You know what I mean? It's Steinbeck like, did it first. You want to talk about a full, simultaneous, <laughs> multi-platform, multimedia release. <laughs> Steinbeck did it first. Holy dude. shit, that's pretty. That's awesome. actually, yeah, about a. That's pretty cool.
1: About a pearl too. How fascinating.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, Gabe, you were saying he's you know he was somewhat ec- ecologically minded and, and kind of interested in in yeah. local ecology and just sort of a, a, an amateur naturalist and whatever. Uh, so I think right like him going to Baja and. and by the time even he got there way back in the 40s it was already kind of tapped out correct like the pearls had been harvested or or no i don't know like i mean i don't know
2: i don't know enough about the the hit. i mean certainly it was it, i believe that it was already sort of being yeah being exploited for sure i don't know i don't know how long that went on or where like this time period falls in that but it had definitely started
0: but the the description even in in uh in that excerpt you read that sort of two-page excerpt about like what is it the roving what was it what was the description it was like the like any place with like natural wealth like yes like great evils settle upon it you know yeah their, so
2: uh yeah r- right at the beginning. Um, it says, the the Gulf and Gulf, I didn't read this part, but this is like two sentences before. The Gulf and Gulf ports have always been unfriendly to colonization. Again and again, attempts were made before a, a settlement would stick. Humans are not much wanted on the peninsula. But at La Paz, the pearl oysters drew men from all over the world and, as in all concentrations of natural wealth, the terrors of greed were let loose on the city again and again. Yeah.
0: And you think of, like, par- when you when I think of parables, I think of the bible i think of jesus basically and basically the the, the method by which amen. he he in, he imparted wisdom right was oh my god amen <laughs> peace be with you say it back jesus priest what peace be with you. i said peace is be that with a catholic you. thing i don't you gotta say and also with you and also with you i didn't know that and also I wasn't yeah. catholic thank you jesus um thank you jesus so th- I think of it in that in that way. Where right, yeah. There's like a, there's an ethical right. There's an ethical thing being imparted. A yeah, parable has definitely. a very specific definition. Definition as like a non metaphor. What is it? Like there's like a non metaphorical aspect to an ethical lesson being imparted. Yeah. Where there's not like something isn't something else. It's all told in a kind of somewhat realistic thing there's not a tree that secretly stands in for like man's beneficence or something (laughs) right right
2: um well it's funny you mentioned that Matt because there is that there is actually a biblical parable that you know it's unclear if Stein how how directly Steinbeck like related that to this but certainly he would have been aware of it but in the Bible in the book of Matthew there's a, a parable that's called the parable of the pearl and really? yeah and, and it's, it's my name it, yeah that's the right.
1: book of Matthew
2: <laughs> yeah whoa Ma- yeah Matthew Matthew 13:45 and 46 um and it's basically it goes again the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls who when he had found one pearl of great price went and sold all that he had and bought it and the idea is apparently and I'm not a am not a biblical scholar but it's about trying to illustrate both the, the the in less value of material wealth in comparison to the glory of heaven, basically, right?
0: Well, I mean, Steinbeck was a pretty, I think, a pretty hev- uh if not practicing, at least heavily influenced sort of culturally Episcopalian. He he was, uh, I mean, th- there's a reason why also in this book, like the the church is kind of the first, the first person to kind of lean heavily on Kino. Like, it's the first... It's the first nominal good in the life of the local community on the beach that is, in fact, an oppressor, in a way, I would say. Right? Where the church father is like, kind of like, oh, Kino's going to pull in a bunch of money. I see somebody, and he's going to try and have a, a, a... Like, a much more elaborate and official sacrament of marriage with his wife right i see an opportunity to get some cash to the church to like fix the leaky roof and sort of and there's the whole thing thing about
2: there's the whole thing about and i don't really know exactly how this works i'm in 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 catholicism or, or whatever religion they were practicing but like there's all this stuff about like if you you can pay to have like additional masses like dedicated to your dead relatives or something and that like increases their stature in the afterlife somehow there's that referenced a couple times including in the original telling of the story uh, that i read earlier
1: it's kind of like a like an egyptian that's very catholic <laughs> <idea>. yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> i didn't know that happened that's weird no
2: yeah me either that was sort of an uh, uh, unfamiliar tradition to me um well it's it's part and parcel with the super greedy what do you i, I was well it goes what called. it goes back to like fucking um uh The thing that Martin Luther was pissed about, right?
0: Yes, right. That's (laughs) what I'm trying to remember. The the selling of
2: of, the selling of uh, shit. I can't remember off the top
0: of my head. Indulgences. Indulgences. Yeah, yeah, jinx. Yeah. So I think it's supposed to. Yeah, it's part of that whole you know noble tradition of of monetizing essentially all of these things that only only a religion can offer as basically products. Right. So yeah, the the church is the first and the father is the first. He's he's got the lightest touch, but he's definitely like leaning. He's definitely breathing on fucking Kino's neck. Well, and he, he also he
2: also sort of does the thing where he's like up, oh, you know, hope this doesn't make you turn bad, right? Like hope this doesn't make you a bad bad religious guy now, buddy. You better find, implicitly you better get rid of it and use it for good stuff pretty quick. Wink wink. Right. Yeah, alms
0: to the church. Yeah, we can give to the poor. Wink, wink. Yes, but so to move the th- plot forward, right? Like the the cata, you know, the catalyst, the catalyzing event, the, the the thing that kind of like sp- I would say spurns the the story forward is something that happens before he even gets the pearl, right? It's his kid getting Coyotito getting stung by the scorpion. Oh yeah, yeah. But so this I forget like, I
1: forget what what comes of that. Like the doctor Oh yeah. So like he gets stung by the scorpion and then he takes him to the doctor character. And the doctor's basically like, I'm not going to uh do anything because you don't have any money. Right. Yeah.
0: It sort of spurns the first like um exit from the super familiar womb like world of the of the just the local village. There's a like this mm. harmony and there's like you get your first sort of descriptions of, like, the song of the family, and then, like, the scorpion comes down, and then the song of the enemy starts playing, and you know, Kino, he tries to kind of, like, samurai chop, or, you know, karate chop the fucking scorpion off of the, the bassinet, and it, it stings the kid. And, uh, yeah, it's just kind of like, Juana, kind of speaks Hwana. the unspeakable, and she's like, we're gonna take coyotito to the doctor in Mm -hmm. town and everyone's like oh my god!" like the doctor wouldn't even touch one of those poor folk and that's like the first like they're finally like uh breaching class you know uh class distinctions here and 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 doing the uncouth by asking for help where they know they're probably not going to get it and indeed they they don't just to prove a point for later on so like this is all before this so this is like why when the pearl is is first discovered like after this incident of being turned down by this like shitty fat fucking like lazy doctor who just wishes he could live in his parisian flat again like he was in his 20s i i love that whole part of the book where like they're describing the doctor they're describing his uh eyes as being couched in pouches of fat yes like little slits and just thinking about Paris, and like even in the Steinbeck is even just like in the book, like the doctor is romanticizing Paris. Mm-hmm. Like he lived in a small room, and his girlfriend was ugly, <laughs> and uh, it just it just, right. just like wasn't that good. But this guy is like eating like chocolates and just wishing he weren't in this like you know, in the boonies basically. So he turns he turns the family down, and then when they f- they find this pearl, and that's the first real like I would say like the the, the church father he's. He's got an angle, but he's not doing anything. You know, he's still basically a good person. He's just, like anybody, he just sees a little uh, opportunity to, you know, beautify the church and uh, fill the coffers a bit. But, like, the doctor's the first person who you can insinuate is out to hurt them. And does. And, like, scams them. And then probably sends somebody to steal the pearl afterwards.
2: Yeah. The whole... Because I thought the doctor... The whole scene where the doctor comes ultimately after he gets wind of, of Kino finding the pearl, where he's he sh- sort of shows up and is like, oh, yeah, I'll treat your kid's scorpion bite now. And then and then I, be- I believe the implication is like actively poisons the kid in order that he can come back later to cure the poison that he gave the kid.
0: Yeah, the doctor is evil, and he—the kid is actually already going to be fine. It's insinuated like the kid was actually going to recover, and the doctor like gives the kid poison to make him look sick. Yeah, and then he waits an hour and has like a cup cup of coffee and eats a piece of chocolate, and then he comes back and is like, "I got the cure," and it's just faking. He's made the kid sick. It's it's Munchausen by proxy, kind of, or something (laughs) like that. You know.
1: And once again, this it's is a failure evil. of Kino because, like, as a father, wouldn't you just immediately suck the poison out of your son's body? Well, Wana
2: Juana did that at that. the beginning. Yeah, as soon as he stopped. Kino
1: should have should have done it. Oh, she does it like immediately. Yeah. Know, yeah,
2: yeah. Well, and yeah. I think one of the interesting things about about Juana as a character is that she is kind of presented thinking about the religious angle and stuff again as this kind of like weird, and it's not just her, but throughout the book, like there's this weird hybrid of kind of like ancient sort of wisdom and traditional like religious beliefs and and medicines and practices and stuff molded together with modern you know catholicism and these and these sort of um, uh, uh, evangelical in the in the literal sense like religions that have common sort of proliferated among the people because you know she's constantly described as like she'll she'll do like a couple hail marys and then throw in some like weird dark magic spells that like as steinbeck describes them sort of you know that's that's inelegant language but that i'm using um and it's not his exact words but it's there's this weird confluence right it feels like you're seeing this kind of it's not really presented as a tension but this um admixture of these various kind of histories and approaches to things like religion and medicine and morality
0: so things are already like complicated in a kind of modern way already I had a chunk like that I just mildly to read complicated that, though go oh go yeah ahead. not not
1: would say again, not Paul? like I just said it, it's just like i mean for the time that he wrote this, I know it's a parable, but everything it just seemed like mildly controversial or complicated even for the time like very tamely controversial but yeah go ahead Matt yeah
0: I mean yes definitely not uh I I I think it's there's like a loss of innocence that happens uh where yeah they're never going to be able to uh, have what they had before and that's partially in some ways a good thing by the end of the book because because they're recognizing now some of even j- if even if it's like col- uh, uh, parochial, like some just the local evils around them. So they're not going to be able to have this state of innocence. But that innocence was. Um, I don't know. They, they lived in it, but but it was just j- a genuine state of ignorance. Like they didn't see how they were being exploited. Uh, but anyway, let me just yeah. read this this chunk. So this is like, uh, the d- what is it, the doctor? Like, the doctor, the doctor is, is, is now getting wind that they've found a, a really big-ass pearl. And he's like, f- oh. And he's sweating, and his eye pouches are sweaty. The news came to the doctor where he sat with a woman whose illness was age, though neither she nor the doctor would admit it. And when it was made plain who Kino was, the doctor grew stern and judicious at the same time. He is a client of mine, the doctor said. I'm treating his child for a scorpion sting. The doctor's eyes rolled up in their, uh, in up a little in their fat hammocks, <laughs> and he thought of Paris. He remembered the room he had lived uh, in there as a great and luxurious palace, and he remembered the hard-faced woman he, who had lived with him as a beautiful and kind girl, although she had been none of these three. The doctor looked past his aged, patient... <laughs> And saw himself sitting in a restaurant in Paris, and a waiter was just opening a bottle of wine. The news came early to the beggars in front of the church, and it made them giggle a little with pleasure. For they knew that there is no almsgiver in the world like a poor man who is suddenly lucky. Kino had found the pearl of the world. In the town, in little offices, sat the men who who bought pearls from the fishers. They waited in their chairs until the pearls came in, and then they cackled and fought and shouted and threatened until they reached the lowest price the fisherman would stand. But there was a price below which they dared not go, for it happened that a fisherman in despair had given his pearls to the church. And when the buying was over, these buyers sat alone with their fingers, played restlessly with the pearls, and they wished they owned the pearls, for there was not many buyers, really. There was only one and he kept these agents in separate offices to give a semblance of competition the news came to these men and their eyes squinted and their fingertips burned a little and each one thought how the patron would uh, could not live forever and someone h- had to take his place and each one thought with some capital he could get a new start so it kind of just like runs the gamut of like the news of the pearl creating an idea for basically like a scam and 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 an angle to benefit themselves of like all class of people right
2: and I, I just love that i i think the the description of the pearl buyers and of course they come back later when Kino actually tries to sell the pearl um is so just like it, it's it's such a just savage critique of capitalism just the sort of just like yeah. There's there's the appearance of all of these buyers doing doing their competition and who's right. going to outbid the other, but but, just free but market, behind dude. them and of course we have no idea who it is. We never meet this person. There's just one guy that's buying all the pearls. Right. Yeah.
1: But it 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 is hard to relate to that level of capitalism as a metaf- like a metaphorically like in accordance with anything today though like i mean what I, don't, really... I don't i don't agree with that well i mean in terms of just like a, like a, a found good like i can't really think of any maybe i just i'm dumb but i'm well, i was really just thinking of like the lottery having this kind of a, like i imagine kino winning the lottery in his town but i was trying to think of like what other places in the world kind of have this like found good lottery thing
2: well, I, I don't think of it in in so much the, the sense of, like, a found good that you're trying to sell or something. It, 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 in in modern capitalism, it's not that there's one buyer so much as that there's, like, one seller. You know what I mean? Or one or two sellers, right? Where it's like, ah, like, I I want to go get a, a, a bottle of water. And it looks like there's 20 different types of water on the shelf. But all of those brands are owned by Coke or Pepsi, right?
1: Yeah, Aquafina, Pepsi. Or, or,
2: or Nestle, maybe. Um, and so, so it's sort of an, it's sort of an inverse of the way modern capitalism works, where it's not that there's one person who monopolizes kind of, you know, the, 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 um, production of people where you buy all of these products or the labor or whatever, but you, you only have one or two options of, in terms of choice for purchasing goods. So I, I, I thought that was the way that related to me.
1: Mm, That's a good point. It's sneakier now. It's, it's harder to see
0: yeah for sure yeah there's there's a there's a moment i know i just read but uh where he's bringing the fucking pearl to the buyers finally and uh he refuses eventually to sell to them because they're they've all of course they all work for the same person it turns out they all agree to stand by the same line of argument where they're like the pearls too big and beautiful right it's actually worthless. It's basically it's, it's
2: basically like a curio. Like no one no like no one can really wear it. You can't really do anything with it.
0: Yeah. yeah <laughs> Like come on now. Uh so it goes uh, when the evening came the neighbors in the brush houses sat eating their corn cakes and beans and they discussed the great theme of the morning. They did not know it seemed a fine pearl to them, but they had never seen such a pearl before, and surely the dealers knew more about the value of pearls than they. And mark this, they said, those dealers did not discuss these things. Each one of the three knew the pearl was valueless. But suppose they had arranged it before. Well if that is so, then all of us have been cheated all of our lives. <laughs> and and just that. Just uh they they right. refuse they just don't wanna countenance that. They don't want to look at that. Right. It's, so uh, they're just like I think Kino's actually just being pigheaded, and he's not, you know, he's just not being smart about this. Yeah. Well,
2: Basically. and 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 there's a there's a line. I'll try. I might try to find it, but there's a line um, that that Juan Thomas says, or or Juan Tomas. I, I again, I forgot. Um, where he's sort of talking about like, you know, yeah, yeah, dude. Like you're you're not you you will not have been the first person to be cheated out of something, in from our of our people. It, like, this right. is just, like, the way it is. And it's, it's the you know, I feel like Juan Tomas has this kind of, he's the older brother, and he's sort of presented as having, like, a little bit more kind of, like, life experience and some wisdom and whatever. And I feel like he walks this fine line between, and I feel like the whole book sort of does this in a way. Like, just kind of um, accept your station, and, like, this is just kind of, like, the way it is uh, versus, like... I know that the way it is, is also bad and sucks. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I, I I never really felt there was any like, like conscience, conscious moments from Kino or Juana where that like, they were cognizant of that. It was more like as a reader you are, but it's like, I don't know if they ever really learned that lesson
0: well they have you the know. you know what they have is this, is the songs like the songs I think are like yeah. these uh just a way of describing instinct and like gut feelings basically right like, like I just feel bad about this I th- I I love my family the song of the family it sounds good I love it. it makes me feel good oh no I'm at the dealers for the pearl and the song of evil is playing really loud like, what is it this is it the yeah I forget yeah Were there other songs
2: There was it the Song of Sauron. The Song of Sauron. Right, Yeah, Because the Pearl
1: is the one ring. So. Yeah,
2: pretty much. I think, yeah, the Song of the Enemy. Um, I think he describes the Pearl as having its own song at one point. I don't remember.
0: Oh, true. Yeah, the Pearl does just have its own song.
2: Yeah. But those are the
0: two big ones, the Song of the Family and the Song of the Enemy. But yeah, they just I think those are just sort of a, uh, a kind of intuition-based wisdom. That it's, I think Kino does vibes. possess, yeah. Kino's Kino's an antenna, just picking up vibes. Yeah, for sure. But but I also
2: think like you know to your point, Paul, about like do they ever learn this lesson or not? Right, like I think Kino's, you know, at the end of the day, right? Like despite some of his subject matter and some of the people he writes about, Steinbeck's an American writer, and <clears throat> I think Kino is pretty clearly crafted as a character who is pursuing something that would be recognizable to most of Steinbeck's readers at the time as like the American dream. Right. Like I came into a bunch of wealth or I, I got lucky or I, you know, whatever, struck oil. oil. Yeah, 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 exactly right. Struck oil or struck a, a, a found a gold vein. And now I'm going to fucking climb the ladder. Now I'm, I'm going to make something of myself. I'm going to make a life for my family and, 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 so on and so forth. And I think that that's like a very um, sort of, you know, American, Americanized or, or, or play on the American dream. And I think someone like Juana or Juan Thomas even are sort of counterpoints to that in the sense that like Juan Thomas is sort of like, dude, you're 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 overreaching here. Like you're this is not going to wind up well for you. And Juana, of course, at one point tries to throw the pearl into the ocean on her own um, because she sort of intuits that it's going to bring them kind of ruin, uh, which, of course, it does. And and so I think that there's like this interesting, I don't know, triangulation between those three characters about the way they orient themselves towards, you know, this kind of American dream narrative that Kino is is creating for himself.
0: Although. uh, hmm. Yeah. It's interesting to me. It feels like the emphasis of the story or the parable is just definitely more on like just the kind of abstract nature of the pearl. Like I, I, I hear what you're saying with the American dream and just being kind of sold a false bill of goods, but even the American dream was concocted, I feel like, very much earlier than this. Like, by the mid-20th century, or approaching the mid-20th century, I mean, I I guess you're right. There, You can just, you can sort of uh, evoke it by saying, of course, what, what Kino's experiencing could only happen in a firmly established kind of, like, stacked, like, like very, like, firmly established society that's that's there to kind of strip you of all your value, valuables. Yeah, it's, and, and it's rigged. Right. You can only rig something in advance. So, like, Kino is enmeshed in a thing already. Um, yeah, I, I just feel like the emphasis is on om- maybe even more... But I guess it still works with the American Dream, which is itself an abstraction. But, you know, it's also the only book that he wrote that doesn't take place in America and I'm, I'm just curious about that but like maybe trying to draw a parallel and being like we all suffer that's the point of a parable is like it I kind think some of, of his
2: war books take place in Europe but
0: okay but just uh, the abstract valuation of something also like natural resources as, as a sort of e- proto ecologist himself I guess and and working with all these like uh, you know day laborers and stuff uh, in California i don't know you know yeah i mean i i guess i, I guess like
2: one of the things that I, that i was thinking when the whole sort of american dream thing is like sh- you know surely he would have seen uh, among those people that he was familiar with and and working with something that is still true today, right? We can talk about immigration and we can talk about the fact that there are still day laborers in California working yep. fruit fields and all that sort of stuff that come with a sort of related ideology, right? Like I I can come to America and I can find my, <laughs> right. my, my pearl, right. And, and make it and make it for my family and, and so on and so forth. And so I, I feel like, like certainly that sort of thing was happening in Steinbeck's time. And I see Kino as kind of participating in those sorts of narratives.
0: But where the thread sort of gets lost for me a bit is, is the, is the, the story in its entirety, like is the Pearl actually innately evil or is the context in which the Pearl is found so predatory and horrific already? Like, is the Pearl, uh, are, are, is everyone's reaction to it natural or a, a kind of aspect of human nature? Or, like, is it just the fact that, like, this is the tension I'm talking about in the abstract nature of the Pearl. Like, the only reason people's greed and all of their worst aspects are, like, brought out of them and they just try and beat up Kino and fucking steal it and, and fleece him and scam him is because there's a value to the thing, and I, I, you know, I I, I don't have a very coherent point to put on it, but, you know, because the American dream to me was always, like, hustle and grind, and I don't know.
1: I mean, I think that it, it like, it definitely relates to the American dream, and you can equate it to the American dream, like, the gold rush type shit and all that. But I think that, um... Like how it relates, really, like it fits as a parable to me because it 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 does seem to like it would, it would work as a story across time. Like I feel like this story could work in like the year twelve hundred, even you know. It's, it's it's very parabolic. Like we shouldn't say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so there is some human truth to it, still, right? There is human I truth. Agree, like I, I just... don't think it. I don't, and I don't yeah, think it I, I don't, because I'm not, it's I'm not saying there's not, a, for the record.
2: No, but I know it, I'm not. It is interesting. I am not even arguing so, uh,
1: with your point. I think it's interesting to think of it as like a, a study of human nature, and not just from a capitalist point of view. Because like, um, wh- where do you draw that line? Like, where exactly does that like, where does greed initially come from in our history? I, I was thinking a little bit about that, like is that just a human trait at this point because it's been a part of our civilizations and our hut civilizations for so long? Is it human nature solely or is it just like a part of a history of, of societies that don't necessarily work because there is this evil that can be inserted um, into it by something like a pearl or gold or, you know,
0: yeah, I mean, th- th- like, I was thinking of there will be blood or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, the, the, these are yeah. all prior to, to capitalism with a capital C kind of being, like, the de facto ascendant system of the economy and its organization. Uh, ca- yeah, capitalism is, is, is actually, like, as it exists now, like, right, a pretty, r- pretty recent thing. It's not a recent or new idea, but it's, like, its current instantiation, right? Gabe, would you say is is fairly Is kind of relatively in human history, like yeah, like ne- neoliberal global idea. capitalism. Yeah, it's. I mean, sure. I don't know. We're. I may. We're so. I'm over my head already. If we're talking about economics, a little bit. No, I,
2: no. I mean, we're not really. I mean, I. You know. I. I mean. I think again. Right. Like it's. It's not even. I, the the point i was trying to make earlier wasn't even so much about capitalism per se so much as it was about this fiction of the american dream which was which has been true, yeah. which has been a, a around and and like crafted through art and story since fucking the founding of the country and certainly since something like manifest destiny and westward expansion and 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 all that sort of stuff and i i think you know so yeah the point the point was less about capitalism per se than it was about the concept of 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 the american dream okay
0: so so what i was thinking in that regard then was like and capitalism and the american dream both sharing at least early on the idea of individualistic competition, you know represented in, in capitalism as like the free market, but otherwise in like sort of the frontier rugged individualist America as like scrappy and scrappiness and ingenuity or whatever, like I think them being kind of ha- them having a bridge between them in terms of the concept of your worth, like a meritocracy and and just things emerging kind of naturally, and that being a lie also. Like yeah, pretty. Pretty quickly, maybe true for like a brief, brief period when things were really like, not, uh I don't know, formalized. I mean, I think that like uh, I was thinking
1: a lot about Gatsby um, reading this book and just, I mean, to me, Gatsby is just way better because it has like that it It has the uh the theme of someone actually going through and like getting the wealth, but even after they have the wealth, they are succumbed um to the inevitable like demise of themselves because of like richer people or whatever yeah and it's like you know the next phase. um like kino you know he has the the pearl. But he kind of he he never receives the the wealth. He he never ends up selling it. He he just always just has the thing. Um. You so I don't know. Kino, I,
0: I, I was ahead. just gonna say, Kino. I feel like what Kino does is just. I mean, yeah, there there are differences that are important, obviously, but right. You said Gatsby gets he's he he makes his riches he has ill gotten riches he has it and it's not satisfying uh and by the end of of that book you see the superficial nature of his relationships to people and how everyone was also just kind of you know again a stereotype almost like just all your friends and come out of the woodwork when you win the lottery kind of thing like you know they're they're not real they're fair weather friends as they say uh, and, and no Kino, new friends dude Kino should have listened to Drake should have listened to Drake <laughs> yeah uh, but Kino so Kino like I mean he, yeah his, his whole experience is very very harsh but eventually he's just like more horrified by that reality of others around him more so than himself even or you know it's a it's a horror at his situation and all the people that he thought he knew very well i think right yeah i mean i I, if anything i feel like that was an
2: aspect of the book that i feel like steinbeck could have explored more because yeah yeah you know obviously there's like kino has failings right and i think the book is you know, I don't mean to come off as saying like the book is an entirely sort of like political commentary or anything like that. I think it's very human. And I think it's about this one individual dude's failings in a lot of ways. And it's about the ways that we sort of can, can imbue objects with false meaning and like attach, you know, like, like, um, uh, like a lot of our self worth. And like at one point in the novel or in the novella, um, come on, you know, Kino (laughs) in the pamphlet, uh, (laughs) You know Kino kind of cops and is like, you know, at this point, like the pearl literally is my soul. He says, or something like that, right? Um, so it, it, it takes on this this aspect of his identity because he has invested so much, like, of his own future and his family's future in it, um to to the point that it he can't it becomes part of him right and you know it's like it's like that it's like if someone ha- has like a fucking baseball card that they think is worth a shit ton of money you know what i mean or something and then they go to fucking on pawn stars and they're like oh yeah this is actually <laughs> the one that's actually worth money is the one with the 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 quarter inch misprint on the right corner and yours yeah, is just right. normal and it's worth nothing and the person can't accept it they can't wrap their mind around it because that Thing is so much part of their identity and it's so much a part of them they're like i am randy johnson yeah exactly dude i am <laughs> not only I do,
1: actually am him
2: not only, do <laughs> I, not only do i not only do i have but i am the big unit yeah
1: <laughs> oh. shout outs to the big unit shout outs the to the big
2: unit randy johnson come on the show dude but you know i think that that it, it, like it really does make me think about pawn stars a little bit because there's in a lot in all of those people <laughs> right who have imbued so much meaning in some of these objects, there's a there's a real sense in which I, I, I think they kind of want to hear that the pawn stars guy doesn't want to buy it because they don't actually want to be rid of it right They want because that is their identity. They want to keep the thing because having the thing is part of who they are. And I think that Kino kind of goes down that road in the book. Yeah, I actually, it it's
1: funny. I just, uh, I love Antiques Roadshow a lot. And yes, I, I, I read this this New Yorker article, I think it was New Yorker, about the success of that show and how it's, like, one of the most low-budget shows ever, and it's on fucking PBS. But it's, like, you know, the top PBS show, and it has been for, like, 30 years or something and it's just like oh wild money-making success and they talked about you know like how fucking wholesome it is but at the core of it it's it's like these people's desire to be potentially rich from their from their their property which but also there's a lot of rich like i i love that show so i like i love like psychoanalyzing the people that are being appraised mm-hmm. and you can tell when someone like has an like an amazing painting by like Klimt or something and they're like oh this is worth $25,000 and you can tell by their reaction they're like oh yes yeah that's great It, it, it you can see that they're maybe a wealthy person and they're just like kind of going on the show to be kind of gratified and their status to be like elevated or whatever. Confirmed. Confirmed. Yeah,
2: that's exactly it. It's it's, yeah. it's, it's 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 it it's not even so much about the the money or getting wealthy from it, or maybe it starts out that way, but ultimately it becomes part of your identity, right? Like it's not. Yeah, okay. Maybe originally it's like I can sell this and make a bunch of money, but over time, and especially with something that's imbued with like, you know, <clears throat> historical meaning or family meaning or whatever, which is not the case in this book, but in 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 those some of those stories. It becomes like I'm not it's not that this thing is gonna make me rich, it's that part of who I am is I'm the person who has the Hank Aaron baseball, or I'm the person who has the the John Hancock letter or whatever. And that's part of me. That's part of my identity.
1: Yeah, and like in some ways I it it can come across to me as like wholesome. Like if someone's just like a baseball card collector and they're like, I have some sweet cards. Like, there's, like, a line drawn somewhere that I'm not totally sure where. Maybe it's just, like, the – it's, like, when when it becomes elevated and you're, like, an aristocrat or something, and you have – not baseball cards, but you have, like, Monet paintings or something, and then it becomes, like, a sick – fascination because it's too much money. I don't, I don't know. There's some You're line for me. You're talking about just
0: like me. art dealers. Yeah. Like art, art collectors. Well, no. I I mean, it,
1: I mean, I'm mean, i just thinking about antiques retro. I feel
2: like the people that are most likely to go to that down this, this sort of Kino path are the people who have like one thing. They have like the one thing that that they think yeah, is valuable yeah. and that they've yeah. attached a lot of meaning to, and that's Kino.
0: Well, I think that's where, Paul, you were kind of going, right? You were describing like the people who kind of know They're just rich, and they want it confirmed, and they just want it publicly confirmed. And then there's, like, the people that are not rich, but they have some sort of heirloom or some shit, and they're, like, that's all they have, and they're pretty sure it's worth a lot, and it's, like, a doll, or just some piece of furniture, or, like, like a fucking Well, those are
1: my my two favorite moments that I wait for on Antiques Roadshow. My two favorite moments are when it's a rich person, and I can tell they're rich, and they have, like, some... Something that they already know is worth a lot of money, but they're going to like just to see how much it is on the show so they like have some level of fame for their weird inner right. circle. And my favorite moment is when it's appraised like slightly less, Like, it's still like $40,000, but I love when I can tell they're like, Oh, I wish it was, I thought it was worth a hundred thousand, and you can see it on their fucking face. I love that, and I also love when someone does have that one thing that they think is worth something and that. They're like, oh, my family passed it down from, like, the 1700s. It's a plate from, you know, Louisiana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's amazing China, <laughs> and it's beautiful. And they think it's worth, like, a million dollars. And then they're like, yeah, this is a knockoff from, like, 1830. I know you <laughs> thought it was from 1650. Yeah, it's worth $100. And I, I fucking love those moments because they're, like, they're so sad. I mean, it's it is sad, and it's a little bit of me being a fucking horrible person. But I also kind of love the slap in the face they get from, like, putting so much value. And I'm sure they talk to their inner circles about how, you know, special they are because they have this one object that was passed down in their family. And then they lose their part of their identity. And it's like, mm, 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 I love it.
0: Well, what you're describing is no shade to you, Paul, but probably a bit of the uh, the evil that this book is exploring, right? The, it's just yeah. Schadenfreude a, a little bit. It's like you're describing the the pleasurable experience of watching people get uh, shot down when they're when they're so sure that they're gonna get some fucking golden ticket out of their of their existence, which is what Kino is doing and what a lot of I think the townspeople in the fishing village are like. They're like, feeling. They're like, fuck this guy. Oh, yeah. this guy's so sure he's gonna like buy a rifle and his son's gonna go to school. Fuck yeah. him. And so like they're they're going there. They're they're doing the same thing as Antiques Roadshow. They're going to the to the uh, appraisal market and they're they're hoping to see the dude get uh, exactly what he got, which is like a bunch of people saying that it's uh, actually kind of like more of a a, a curio and, and, and a, a rare an obscurity and it's it's not worth selling and it's actually way less. The key point though being that they're all lying in this case yeah right and that it actually is probably worth more than Kino thinks it's worth um, but there th- th- Gabe. I also to your point about like the identity thing, there is also that that vein of like, uh, there's a there's a little bit again. I know I've been reading it all so much, but like someone's got to do it. Like, Kino's nervous. By he states what he wants to do with the pearl and the riches he's going to get from the pearl, and he's not entirely comfortable with doing it. Like he he's he's super anxious about the fact that he's like, like he he makes it to he's like we, he's like all he's like sweating and he has a problem, he's like we and 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 there shall be a great marriage. Between me and Juana, and he's like, and uh, uh, and I'll have a rifle, and everyone's gasping in the crowd, <laughs> and he's just like, he's getting kind of like carried away, but he's super nervous, and it just goes, uh, but now by saying what his future was going to be like, he had created it. A plan is a real thing, and things projected are experienced. A plan, once made and visualized, becomes a reality along with other realities, never to be destroyed but easily to be attacked. So I kind of like that. I really yes. like that little chunk there. Like, you know, as soon as you've concretized something and have a plan of action, it, 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 that is such a human and common experience. I think even divorced from like finding a pearl or whatever, it's just like, okay, I've actually formalized a plan and I want to like act on it and here's what I'm going to do it. And, and, and that's the moment when everyone's on your ass. And everyone's like, "That's stupid." You know, you you've made a blunder here. You've made a misstep. Like, I actually think you shouldn't do this. Blah blah blah. Like,
2: well, and and that's also the moment where you concretely, like you like you sort of said, like you concretely establish conditions for failure, right? Like, as soon as you say, "This is what I'm going to do," in other words, yeah, (laughs) then then you you have now introduced the possibility of failure, i.e., if you don't do the thing that you say you're planning to do. Then you failed at it. Whereas if you just kind of say b- vaguely, "Oh yeah, maybe one day," or "da da 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 da,", da that is not as concrete a p- possibility. But as soon as you start taking steps down that road, it inevitably becomes a, a-, a live option.
0: And that's where the abstraction of like an object or a curio or an antique or whatever, as as it as it sort of like welds itself to your identity makes more sense to me as an evil and a good in 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 equal turn you know it's kind of a you know connotationless thing in and of itself right is like you can attach all these abstract futures to it or like what you're gonna do or what it means but as soon as you make that an action or, or try and like put that to some sort of practice or derive value from the thing and then try and, you know, yeah, it's, 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 it's a whole other thing. It's a, it's a different game. Um, fuck. I had something better to say about that.
2: Well, if it comes back to you, say it, because I had a point that I wanted to make that was apropos of nothing, but just it, t- totally in a different direction. But just cause you guys were talking about the the villagers and stuff I kind of like loved the way he used the other villagers in the novel, sort of like gathering around when the doctor comes and follow, following them up when they go to the doctors and following them up again, when they go to the, to, to the pearl buyers. And it almost, it almost felt like I was reading, like, it it, it felt like there were sort of like a a classic, like a Greek chorus almost like in like Euripides or, or or like Aeschylus or something where in the, in the sort of ancient Greek plays, where there's this group of people that are sort of there kind of reinforcing the story or or adding some things to the story. And it kind of just felt like, you know, the way that, that the townspeople were operating in the story. I don't know, that was just something that, that sort of jumped out to me as kind of interesting. Again, apropos of nothing, nothing else to say about it personally, but
0: Yeah, they're just they're speaking what's supposed to be a kind of uh symbolic Yes, gamut of, of exactly of expressions, but i I guess not fully to the attaching to what I was tr- trying to say before, but just that the uh that abstracted quality of something and then actually being like, "I'm actually gonna do this, this is what I actually want for myself, I'm gonna do this, and everybody being like, "Shut up uh, all the people trying to steal it from them have basically their own their own incredibly subjective but f- but emotionally basically what they feel to be objective better uses for the wealth of uh, or you know good fortune of somebody else who they might deem as like unworthy and like that being the big the big engine that that like moves everyone's self-centeredness and greed I guess it's See, just like subjective I, uh, emphasis.
1: I I read that actually I read the townspeople's chatter as more as of like. Of uh, like the inner monologue that he that Steinbeck expected of his reader or something. I thought I, th- I thought it was like a weird choice. It was like mm. this is what you could be thinking about what's going on in this book. Um. So I didn't actually. I thought it was more. It was heavy-handed to me. It was. It was a little bit too like on the nose. Um, yeah, I
2: didn't like it. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I I I definitely get that, but I also think that that's sort of the. That's sort of also to to get back to my point. Like the function of the Greek chorus was to be sort of like quote unquote, like the ideal spectator, right? Like sort of narrating and kind of like, here's, here's you know, filling in some gaps here and there, sure, narratively. But in general, they were kind of supposed to be the bridge between the audience and the action of the play, right? Or the action of, of the drama. And I think that, that, that to your point, Paul, Steinbeck does use them in, in some ways in that function uh, in this story. So yeah, it, may, think, it may whether you you know whether it clicked for you or not. I think it may have been intentional.
1: Yeah, I think I I don't know. I I think my biggest issue is that I wanted more layers to this. I think I think that of his time, there were, there were writers writing things with with more layers in a more in a smarter way, and I I would almost like uh, um, like the townspeople to be saying one thing, but maybe. Steinbeck trying to say something else in 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 like in the writing of the novel or something just like I don't know I I wanted like a a few extra layers I think of some other theme that wasn't so
0: apparent well Um, what like if we're talking about this as a parable which I think is appropriate uh, maybe a padded out one. Uh, like, what value do you think it has as something to introduce to people in eighth grade? Right? Like, yes, plenty, we are plenty. beyond this, supposedly. And I still like... I do actually like revisiting kind of stuff like this. It's it's interesting. But, like, I think... I think it is... Even with the Gatsby and whatever, it's like we can recognize great writing and whatnot, but, like, ultimately... I think we're all sort of describing a bit of just a sort of over-familiarity with the the subject matter and the themes and, like, the kind of moral lesson of the book. But if you were however old well, – how old is an eighth grader? I have no fucking clue. Thirteen? <laughs>
2: Thirteen? No, that seems young. Fifteen? Uh,
0: Wait. Fourteen? That's like fourteen. a difference. You know – what are some other things you remember reading in, in, in middle school? I'm, just, I'm actually just kind of curious about this as, like, an educational... Eighth grade, I mean, eighth the, grade the, is, like, 13 that, to 14. Yeah. Okay.
1: So I think ninth grade was, like, a separate piece and Catcher in the Rye for me.
2: I think that sure. was high school, yeah, ninth grade or so, yeah. tenth grade.
1: Ninth grade. So And those books both feel like a big step up from this.
2: So this is, like, a one-year difference. I'm tempted to, I don't know. I kind of want to defend this book a little bit, but, but, but just to answer Matt's question, other stuff, I definitely remember reading a bunch of short stories in middle school. Like I remember reading the, um, what's the one about the kid who gets locked in the closet during like a nuclear attack or something. Do you
0: guys remember this? It's a sci-fi book about when there's the sun, the sun rises for once every year on a different planet and it's planet colonization. I don't remember what it's called. No. But you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the kids miss the kids bully him and shove him in a closet and he misses the one sunrise. That he's ever he's, gonna
2: see in his lifetime or something, right? Yeah, something like that. I read that in middle school for sure. Me too. Um I think I read, I read like a Hobbit um, in middle school. Did you for a class?
1: Yeah, I read it in uh, Mr. V's class. Mr. V. Do you guys no. know
2: I didn't ha- I, I had a different Mr. V. Okay. For music.
0: I was reading a lot of fantasy, so um, actually these things were like impactful to me. Like yeah, I, I did like the Pearl. I also remember when I first read it. Um, I think I I think I read um, the Ursula Le
2: Guin short story uh, the, the ones who walk away from Omalas. In middle school, did not read that. Which is about it's like it's basically like, it's basically about like a society that's, like, perfect and utopian and whatever, whatever, but it's based on, like, the enslavement of, like... one oh, there's ad, one o- guy? One, ad, one out of every thousand children or something. Yeah, fuck, every I whatever. Re-
0: I read this, too. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. That was middle school.
0: I think, yeah, I think that's worth thinking about when also... I don't know, revisiting, I guess, things like this. Yeah. It's, like... What is this describing? That, what could be sort of like genuinely unique, and and suppo- you know, supposedly just like innate to human nature in some way, that is is worthwhile to extract, but is simplistic enough in its presentation, to stick with I, middle schoolers. Uh, yeah, I think. In the, I think from this
2: book, I would say it's, and I de- and and I and I do think it's sort of, yeah. I mean, I think it's like something along the lines of don't get too attached to material things at the expense of your friends and family or whatever would be the, would be the like middle school takeaway.
1: Right. But also like maybe possibly introductory to work, to like uh capitalism bad take in middle school too.
0: To rigged systems. Yeah, uh, rigged maybe systems. Yeah, I, I do remember something like that being gestured at. Not not really engaged with, but because you're just trying to get the fucking kids to read at all at that point. I I think uh which I, I did mean, not I start- do in
1: middle school. I was jerking off.
0: <laughs> What's the... I mean, dude, are you not
2: now?
1: No. I mean, you see I was my, re- you I see was just reading
0: I was just reading and jerking off. Uh <laughs>
1: I was jerking off reading The
0: Hobbit for sure.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Paul Paul just wants to get Paul just wants to get domed
0: by the Balrog. Yeah. Oh yeah. Want Smaug to blow smoke in his face. Uh, Paul <laughs> Paul's
2: got a smauging fetish. Yeah. Smokey. Yeah. I
0: don't, I, but but I definitely thought like you know the 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 fact of like the pearl collector which stuck with me now like the fact that the pro collectors are all the face of one single guy basically Yo. who's giving them mortars. that that was something that in the current reading kind of jumped out at me almost in relation to the other stuff in the book in a way and i'm like okay i'm, I'm definitely primed at this age at this time to now value this little bit of the story
2: it's jeff bezos he was the it, one
0: it, yes dude it literally is jeff bezos yeah. So you know, that that's kind of an interesting little like just phenomenological thing. Like
1: Jeff Bezos is going to take your pearl to space.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you think we'll do you think he'll be on the moon when we're old?
2: No. I don't know. I don't care. I want
0: to kill him. Someone will, but it's I don't Paul. think
2: it's it won't be him. I don't you think we can kill? say that on the podcast. Gotta, that's a threat no. of violence.
1: I gotta no, reel fine. in my homicidal tendencies <laughs> for the podcast.
0: No, it's fine. I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna put my both my one hand around Jeff Bezos' throat while he's asleep and his eyes are gonna open in panic <laughs> and he's gonna feel the cold steel of my glock on his forehead. That's okay, that's too specific. I'm gonna pull the trigger and everything, everything out of bullets. Oh, everything doing that <laughs> everything we say
2: on this podcast is a joke for the record. <laughs>
0: The satirical. Yeah. If it's yeah. for satirical purposes that I said that, uh. But yeah, I don't know. Like,
2: well, what do you guys think? What do you guys think is the middle school takeaway? Like you said, Matt that, or Paul, what do you think? Like Matt, you said the the capitalist thing. No, I, I said that. that
1: that's take. mine. I think I think that that is like well, you the both most. Kind of I mean, yeah, true. I think that that would be the main takeaway for me. I didn't read it, but I I think I would probably like latch on to the to the like humanistic like people are bad don't trust them don't trust like the higher ups that's and humanist <laughs> yeah that doesn't I don't <laughs> that's, mean, that's my humanistic. own that's my people own personal <laughs> humanistic take that's called misanthropy uh, yeah <laughs> but uh i think that would be my take if i read that in middle school though it would be like uh be middle little, little bit untrusting of um the civilization that surrounds you possibly what one or thing at least,
0: yeah go ahead. yeah Paul. for
2: sure no that's it well one thing that i was curious about I, I actually feel i know we've we've gone about as long as we thought we were going to go with this book but i feel like there's a lot of things that i still want to talk about one speaking to paul's point like I feel like one of the things that jumped out to me and we haven't even really talked about the climax where they're in the cave uh and he's yeah. being hunted and the actual thing happens where his kid dies
0: the top of Coyotito's head
2: rough gets a blowed off yeah F in the can we get a, a can we get a big it. F in the chat for Coyotito
1: <laughs> yeah when I read that I was like oh shit blasted baby <laughs>
2: Um, but like, none of the, none of the villains in the book are identifiable, which I thought was so weird. Like every time, you know, because, because, um, Kino starts to descend in this sort of paranoia and he can't sleep and he's like always listening for sounds outside of his hut and stuff. And right. he justifiably he, justifiably. Right. And of course he sometimes jumps out and gets into some scraps and fights a couple times. And, and then ultimately when they flee, uh, and their boat gets sabotaged and, and there's all of this, this shit fucking it, uh, arrayed against them that justifies his sort of paranoia. None of the villains are ever like identifiable. Like every time he gets into a fight or sees someone do something wrong, you know, or even Juana a couple times, times there, it's like, who did this? And they're like, I don't know. I couldn't fucking see it. I, I, yeah. That, that felt meaningful to me. Right. That like it's always this like faceless shadow form that's doing these things that is unidentifiable, which felt the Nazgul, the Nazgul, which felt (laughs) weird to me precisely because of what you said earlier, Paul, which is that it's such a small community where people should be like pretty readily identifiable, even in the dark. And I, I guess I just wondered, like, what you thought Steinbeck was trying to do with that.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm with you like the when I first read it, the first attack, I was like, "What well, what the hell was that?" It like it kind of came and went really quickly, and I was like, "Was that a fucking animal?" Like what it, it it seemed like he was fighting a beast of some kind. But then it happens a few more times and yeah, it's obviously just like somebody or some different people from the village you, you have to assume. Um, maybe like hired
2: by the doctor or some, or the pearl buyers.
1: Yeah. That was my assumption. Like mercenaries, especially like the three, the three dudes at the end, just some sort of mercenary type dudes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know what to make of them being like kind of anonymous.
2: Well, speaking Um, of, speaking of sci-fi elements, I do want to shout out Steinbeck's description of the hunt at the end of the book, because That felt like fucking something out of like a Stephen King novel or something where it's this like huge, like, like dark hooded rider with a rifle on a on a on a horse following these like guys that I pictured on like all fours, like skittering around on the fucking ground, like sniffing and looking at broken branches and like trackers. And I think they are described as like running around on all fours. And kind of like howling and like yeah, and they make these weird animal s- noises and shit. But they're people like that felt that was eerie and 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 like weird and almost a departure in tone from the rest of the novel for me. But I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, yeah, Steinbeck really knocked it out of the park. Like, I think with this, with this, I, I really liked this. I, um, I was thinking of also like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, like mm. the end when they're when they're just being again, just tracked, and the trackers are, like, really fucking good. And yes. They're, just, they're always just sort of observing, and they have to stay on watch. But, yeah, th- I mean, that's all precipitated by uh, Juana trying to throw the pearl in the ocean, that leading to Kino uh, chasing after her and, and, and getting her, and sort of luckily that that saving them from the fact that they were their house was being burned down and of uh, course Kino
2: kills a guy
0: in the process yes most importantly yes. And, and the reason for the trackers by the end is that Kino kills somebody else who was there to rob him and they have to flee uh, the town and they have to flee the town and uh, they see that their house is on fire and they are going to attempt to take a boat out but then you know his ancestral heirloom hand-me-down boat it has been defiled, and the hole's been kicked in it, which is a huge, significant faux pas culturally. It's in like the, in it the village. He, he, he like descri- he
1: describes he describes it as like worse than someone dying. right? Yes, 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 yes
2: yeah. it's worse than him killing and killing the other guy. So that which is so wrong. Which is an interesting connection to put imbuing value in a material object over lo- human life, right? Yeah. True.
0: Yeah. The boat is a pearl in itself. It has value, for sure. Like, significant value. Uh, yeah, so th- all that leads him to, like, laying low at Juan Tomas's for a day, I think, and then they try and flee to the big city, and they get tracked. And while they're getting tracked... That's where you sort of also see uh, Kino and Juana like be described as as kind of a singular entity almost, too. Or you like know, two sides
2: of the same coin, like a duality.
0: Yeah, there is this sort of um, mythical, almost uh, gender dynamic going on with them, where they sort of represent like you know the, a, a being in in its wholeness through their through their union basically it, It's
2: almost like Jungian, right? Where he's like they're trying to find the And at the beginning of the book, there's a at the very very beginning, there's a line where he talks about like him and his wife and their son and the family and all that stuff as like it's just described as like the whole,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh and obviously that that has a hole punctured in it just like the boat. Just like the boat. When their baby's heads gets blown off, and their by baby's heads.
1: <laughs> Do you guys and think of the baby bad. dying and them like walking back to the town triumphantly as sort of like a metaphor for not having kids?
2: <laughs> I don't think they came back triumphantly.
1: <laughs> well, at first, when they were coming back, they were like, "Yeah, they're walking." in like side by side for the first time and not
2: like Yeah, cuz they had the pearl and they
0: thought they were rich, right?
2: No, 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 no. After the kid no. dies.
0: Oh, really? They're like Yeah, no, yeah, after I th- the that's kid
2: died. I think that's actually an interesting point, Paul, which is that like once the once Coyoteo dies and they come back to the town it, like it, having been defeated basically that that's the first time and your that description is really important that normally Kino as the sort of male leader or whatever is walking ahead and is behind him. But when they come back after Coyotito dies, that's the first time they're ever walking side by side. And it's like notable enough that the townspeople notice it. And yeah. I wonder if that isn't a comment on like some perverse way that they have found a sort of wholeness. Maybe it's in in despair and in hideous like loss. But maybe that is the kind of like, you know and, I, and we haven't really talked about the music stuff a ton. I mean, maybe we can, but it's almost like a resolution in a musical sense where they're, they're it's a sad one, but they they are they have reached that sort of unity, that wholeness um, through this
0: hideous experience. I think in the in the world of the book, they've matured. It's at a terrible cost. But they are, like, they both now have brought back to the village, you know, the wisdom, right, of, like, what was typically reserved for literally triumphant, like, mythical figures in, like, other myths. But in this case, it's... Who leave uh,
2: and come back after a vision quest or whatever.
0: Right. and, And they've conquered something or whatever. But in this case, it's just, it's perverse. It's like a sad and and perverse kind of realization of 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 a kind of truth and and but it's also in the face of in this case the society that's as constructed that they've existed in and 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 where they go from there is the is also a, a question mark that's left unanswered you know they've just so kind yeah. of been tragically in influenced by it
1: yeah i was kind of it was kind of weird. I mean, not weird. This is a, this is a really stupid take that I'm just trying to be funny, so bear with me. But <laughs> I, when they came back like after after killing the trackers and their baby's dead, but they still have the pearl, I was like, just keep going to the fucking city and sell it and then buy a new baby. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I am kind of surprised they turned back <laughs> in, instead of continuing on. Yeah. But, but I guess that's sort of the thing that it took to break Kino's attachment to the, to the, to the object, you know, okay. Yeah. He, here's a, here's a, here's a spicy take. You, like we've already said this episode, <clears throat> this podcast motto is every book is a sequel to the last book, but mm. in this book, in the climax, essentially what happens when Kino goes down to kill the trackers to uh, you know try to free them and uh, give them passage to the city he essentially in an edward Jessup way returns to monk and gets (laughs) oh my god and gets no listen 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 he gets he gets totally naked because he doesn't want them to see his white shirt in the darkness and steinbeck's description of him climbing down the rocks is very animalistic he's scoping out every potential loose foothold and anything that might fall and alert them to his presence. And he's kind of creeping.
1: He calls him him a lizard. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He's like a lizard, lizard brain. And he's like creeping along down these rocks naked. And then ultimately has this like out outbreak of violence and kills these guys. And it's, it's crazy. Um, But then ultimately the kid is shot in the violence by this random shot fired off by the tracker and uh him and want are kind of united and they finally the same way edward jessup finally gives up his quest to find the yes. truth of science or whatever Kino gives up his quest to sell the pearl and 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 do the thing it's the same fucking shit
0: you're right. You're you know what? Fuck, you're hundred percent right. That's a great <laughs> linking up, dude. Yes, I love Let's that. go. <laughs> he does. Eventually he just devolves. I mean, those trackers, not the one on the horseback, the other two, like you just said prior to this, there were like weird, almost pseudo beast like men who yeah. were like sniffing the ground and yipping when they could smell the trail. And Kino had to get on their level. He had to shed the final like vestiges of his humanity. Yes to do these uh, acts of violence to just purely survive. And he had to reconstitute as some sort of human being by the time he got back to the village with his wife.
2: And he obviously loses more in the process than Jessup does. Right. Uh, Cause his
0: child actually dies, but it's, it's the similar sort of process it seems to me. Well, you have the same object of fixation that's going to be some sort of salvational, you know, I don't know. Source for you. Yup. Damn.
1: What if he, what if he came back to the town with his and he was like throwing the pearl up in his hand and catching it, and then he just started like throwing it at people's heads like Bullseye from the <laughs> Daredevil comics. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "I'm Bullseye now," <laughs> and this is the actual. The it's pre- actually an origin bullseye. story. <laughs> for...
2: It's Bullseye's Farrell, Bullseye, <laughs> or he just he. This is the Joker's origin story, and he just becomes uh, Jokerified. Yeah,
1: and he wears a pearl necklace.
2: He wears a pearl necklace, and then kills all the pearl seller, pearl buyers, and he eats the pearls like a candy necklace because he's the Joker and breaks his teeth.
0: Wow, that's really good. Oh god, that <laughs> would be poops, sick. And he poops them out, and he gets it out of his poopy. <laughs> yeah, he makes a necklace again.
1: Yes, out of the broken
0: oh, pieces. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, um. Yes, I don't know. Do you feel like we've uh... <laughs> La- okay? Last, last serious
2: question that I have, and you me- yes. c- just just because you mentioned earlier, Matt, that it was one of your favorite parts of the book. Mm. Talk a little bit about the music stuff and all the the songs.
0: Oh, you know, it, it was just my favorite in terms of like as a device. I wish I had marked all the different names of the songs, because that would have helped. But I think there are three, potentially four, major songs. Uh, but I know, like we just said, there's the Pearl has its own song, the Song of the Family, and the Song of the Enemy. I, I also think there's some sort of, like, Song of Evil, just more abstract. Yeah, there
2: is. There's a Song of Evil. I'm, I'm just doing a quick Control-F through the text. There's the Song of the Family, the Song of the Pearl, the Song of Evil, the Song of Danger. Okay. Uh, maybe there is no Song of the Enemy. Maybe I made that up. Oh, no, there is a Song of the
0: Enemy. Yeah. So
2: I, I just like that as like a... a and then there's, there, there is a Song of the Pearl, and there's something called the Song of the Undersea that's mentioned once or twice.
0: Oh, sometimes when he's diving. Yeah. And, and... I just like that as a way to describe vibes. Basically, I d- thats all I had. I meant by that. I, I was just like I, I liked that as a uh, as a way to say <laughs> that the you know Kino is intuiting something or, or subjectively kind of like picking up on something. It was just fun. It was it was good. It, it was effective in the form of a par- like in the form of a parable. And uh, there was even this kind of like inside out <laughs> quality where mm-hmm. like this song of evil or the enemy like mixed with the song of the Pearl by the end. And there was a new flavor of song that was uh, created from that. And the that remix. Yeah, there was a re- literally a remix where it was like I'm starting to see, uh, sense sort of notes of the enemy within the nice song of the Pearl from before. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, again, it's it's an it's a it's a ninety page novella, folktale. It's it's just the emphasis is on economy and like the the crystallization of like the found phrase or like the turn of phrase, or a method of encapsulating things that could be way more wordy. And in that sense, I just like you know, I read East of Eden and of mice and men yeah i I was actually like kind of impressed, like I still had a good time reading this and and found it to be worthwhile and meaningful, and you know in my thirties uh and the last time I read this, I was yeah thirteen years old, yeah. So I don't know. I think that's uh, I think that's a vote in, in, in this book's favor, honestly.
2: Yeah. Paul, what did you think about the music stuff before we go to the final?
1: Uh, I honestly like blew right over it. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't even think about it. Uh, I think in my head, I thought I was like, this seems kind of dumb. I'm just going to keep reading. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I didn't, I literally didn't even like think about it twice. Fair um, enough. But when you, when Gabe and you said in the beginning that it was kind of like, uh, um, written cinematically, I mean, in retrospect, I kind of think maybe that was part of it too. Is that like, insert uh, soundtrack, good song here.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, um, yeah.
1: I don't necessarily like that take. I maybe, and I don't maybe think that Steinbeck was going for that, but um, maybe that was part of it.
2: Yeah, I don't. I, I'm sure it probably wasn't that reductive because it all it obviously works like Matt was explaining, kind of literarily on its own merit. Yeah. But uh, I, I I I do suspect that that was potentially somewhere operating in his mind.
0: It doesn't read like altered states where. No, definitely one, not. One, no, once no. you have that idea, you're like, okay, this is. I can see where this was a script that. Had connective tissue like added onto it, yeah yeah, yeah. Definitely descriptively not. afterwards, Definitely this feels not. like it was written to be what it is,
1: yeah, exactly, and like yes. uh,
0: the Philip K.
1: Dick book we read too, that was kind of written in a cinematic way too, I, I think, Ooh. or at least we we kind of presumed that he was writing it in that way, and that came across even before I knew that, but yeah, this one stands alone more as like simply a parable. Which I think probably takes some skill to be like, this could be uh, something cinematic and I'm writing it in that way. But in the back of my mind, I am thinking about it as potentially a movie. Right. But I'm, I'm not going to like focus on that. Who writes parables anymore?
0: I I was also thinking about... That's uh, a good question.
1: And Night, well, All was, Blood
0: is Black. Like, yeah,
1: me too. Yeah, yeah, I was a lot. Because, I, yeah, I was too.
0: What made you think of it, Paul?
1: Um, j- I, I just... I was thinking that because it, like, it, it, it integrated a parable, it kind of tacked it on in a really interesting and, like, consequential way, um, it, I mean, he also had, like, what, a hundred, no, like, 70 years to, or 60 years to kind of feed off of other writers, so it, you know, but, um... Yeah, I like the way he expanded or expounded, eh, what expounded? Expanded? expanded.
0: Expanded. Both.
1: On the idea of a parable and like kind of twisted it and flipped it on its head a little bit and like wrote a story within the context of an of a parable. Yeah.
0: Um there's yeah. a folk tale within it.
1: Yeah.
2: That's And this is just purely a purely a folk tale. And that book is similarly short that's like it's got like what 30 pages on this one maybe that book's like 120 pages or something 130 yeah they
3: both
1: kind of had that spoken word feel to them mm-hmm. and actually i listened to both of these books partially on audiobook um so maybe that adds to my opinion that
2: they were spoken word well <laughs> there is something Stupid there's shit
0: well no i i think there's actually is something to be said for like when you discuss the folk tale or the myth or the parable, I, 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 n- maybe not necessarily, but like historically, it has been of the oral tradition and lends itself to the oral tradition. Like y- the, the idea of of being able to recount this verbally to like young people or like whoever, and have it have those uh, repeatable, dramatic turns of phrase and like. To have these these moments that are kind of, you're able to make essentialize them and like say them simply and plainly, but in a sort of poetic language, like all of that is is what happens in this book and and in in at night all blood is black.
1: Yeah, I think the difference yeah. for me between uh, at night all all blood is black and the and this is that like that book seemed to be written in a way that someone actually was speaking it to you. And I think parables tend to be like written as more of like a concise story possibly that like can be reiterated in spoken word form in your own way or something. But at night, all blood is black seemed to be from like a very unique direct perspective, which was alpha.
2: Which was also kind of a unique take. Yeah, parables don't tend to be uh, first-person, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I guess you're right. That's more of a folktale or a myth. Yeah. Definitely, because also, like, parables, again, don't often have weird metaphorical, magical, or surreal qualities as much. Yes, they're more direct, like, here's the the moral.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Yeah. right. But it is interesting like that this this book is framed from the beginning as basically a parable as a folk tale, and that book is like another narrative that kind of like envelops a parable or envelops
0: a, a, a some a fairy not a fairy tale, but it divulges its like origins yes yeah so da, 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 da. You're a wizard,
2: Harry. (laughs) Uh, You all know what time it is. You just did.
0: We er... (laughs) are blunder. I'm going to be honest, guys. Flumble. I've had a significant amount of wine. Yeah, buddy, that's what we like to hear. Uh, we just didn't have a book. Paul, I said it completely. He was fine. Paul, he was fine. Okay, I enunciated I was fine.
2: This is the fan favorite segment of the show. We literally just read another book where so, we get to talk about Harry Potter, and you can't say shit about it because you we be already mad. read a fancy book, and now we get to talk about Harry Potter.
0: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> We took our vegetables down, <laughs> and now we're able to actually have, you know, Boston cream donuts. Whatever uh,
2: so this is where we take all the characters or all of the important characters from the book we just read, and put them into their respective Harry Potter houses. Debate ensues, drama ensues, mm-hmm. the friendships part friendships of are the made and broken. Yep, let's get Here to we it. Go. Uh Who first? Let's do... I mean, okay. Should we do... I mean, I don't think Apollonia qualifies. We don't have enough on her, really, for a house. Or maybe we do. (laughs)
3: Juan
2: Thomas's wife. Yeah. Nah, let's do Juan Thomas. Okay, Juan Thomas is...
1: I would say Gryffindor. Ooh. You guys don't think so?
0: I think Juan Thomas is Hufflepuff. I think he is a good Hufflepuff, but I think he's a sort of noble uh advocate of like whatever the village's prior rules are.
2: Yeah, my, my my first instinct was Hufflepuff for similar reasons, but I'm open to an argument for Gryffindor.
1: Uh I don't really have one. I just that was my initial inkling. I just thought that he I don't know, he just seemed like a strong, level headed individual. Um I just didn't get Hufflepuff vibes. I don't know. I got more Gryffindor vibes from him.
0: He's only willing to go so far for for his brother on the basis of norms, on um, tradition and loyalty. Yeah. Okay.
2: All right. He's all the buff.
0: All right. Bet. Got you. Nice. Uh, all right. Whoa! Um, shit, dude. Fucking. <laughs> The tummies and burping sounds have been so good this this whole time. For me, time. you and Gabe. I've been I burped a few
2: times I think. Um, okay. Tito doesn't have a house.
0: He's a baby. He's he doesn't baby. Have a baby.
2: Uh, uh, this the sorting hat would have yeah. nothing to say. So it's, that's it's, why it's, him getting killed doesn't matter that much. So I guess it's just Wana and uh, Kino.
0: They're both Gryffindor.
2: Whoa, one hundred percent. That's a take, dude. Paul, you're nodding.
1: You agree? They're both very, very brave. Like, that's, yeah, especially towards the at the end. They just, they they show a lot of brave characteristics. Like, Juana has the chance to, like, go off with the baby, which I thought was the smart move. But she's like, no, I'm going to stay.
2: Is that Hufflepuff, um, though? Is that loyalty?
1: No, I mean, I thought it was more like, like be, I thought it was more of just being brave cuz like if you're loyal to the family that would have been the smarter choice to have been like yeah you fucking lead them away and we'll try to escape and like you know sell the pearl ourselves and survive but she was like no i'm going to face the enemy I thought it was brave
2: yeah
0: okay i get that i get that but uh, i don't know and there one thing i think i think conceiving of Juana and Kino as one one being working in tandem but ultimately singular
2: Mm. so you think they have to be in the same house
0: facing yes I do actually Mm. and 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 facing and facing that danger that is essentially flying in the face of all the norms that Juan Thomas is so ultimately beholden to and loyal to makes them the opposite and I would say, therefore, Gryffindor. Ugh, I hear. And they that. come back to the town as well, which is another brave gesture. You know, they they, they come back in the face of this horrific tragedy. The snake Nest. The snake nest. The serpent's nest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess okay. Here's 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 like a hot take. Maybe.
2: I know Kino. Loves his family, and he does a lot of brave things. But he is also, like, literally hypnotized, like by a Horcrux, yes. and, <laughs> and, and so like, I wonder if he's not like a Slytherin, like he wants the power and the wealth and 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 the sort of benefit of this beautiful fucking Horcrux object. Nah, nah. That nah. that he imbues so much of himself into the same way that that Voldemort put. All of the aspects of himself in the various Horcruxes, especially See, if I you think, think Quanna is the other half.
1: You know, I I think the the Horcrux analogy doesn't work as well as the the One Ring analogy, but it's it's less of it's. There's more Lord of the Rings qualities in this novel novella pamphlet than yeah uh, Harry Potter one. I, I you know it's like an object that anyone across all uh, classes would be fascinated with okay
0: it. okay you're right it, it does okay. work way better anyone could benefit from having this thing like the ring yeah okay Except tom yes. bombadil who doesn't turn Except because Bomba. he's pure of height yeah he's <laughs> and the best and no one can be
2: tom bombadil no okay okay okay, okay. you know what oh, yeah. yeah i'm sold i i was i was i was a little I was a little all in on the Horcrux analogy, but you 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 broke that for me. Yeah. You gotta read another book. It's called College Professor
0: Demolished by (laughs) By Facts facts and and Logic. logic. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Gryffindor all around. Cool. Um. All right. Score time. Oh no! Not first. Wait! 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 Scrabble word time. Oh shit. Oh yeah, I did not pick one. I did. I did pick one. Okay, my Scrabble word. This is Paul's new segment, so it's hilarious that he didn't pick a word for it. Yeah, fuck. Uh, so this is our our new segment, our fan second favorite segment, uh, <laughs> where we pick a word from the book. And so there's he's like, typing there's mo- I know, no, I'm sorry, I'm, I was just making sure I got the definition of my word correct. Um where we pick a word from the novel that we just read, either that we didn't know or, or that would work well for Scrabble from a strict kind of points perspective. Um, and uh, so it's a little open. There's, there's, there's a lot of options, a lot of directions to go. This, was, this one was a little tough because Steinbeck generally is writing a pretty kind of concise, clear prose um, in this in this novel. But I did find one. And the one that I found is, and I don't even really know how to pronounce it Ledger Domain. Ledger nice. Domain. L E oh. G E R D E M A I N. And this word comes when um, uh, Kino is going to sell the pearl. And he's talking about the. Uh, uh, Steinbeck is describing one of the pearl buyers rolling a coin in his hand beneath the table um and he right. it, it, it's and it's like a little
0: trick of the hand Exactly
2: yeah. and so ledger domain means skillful use of one hands when performing conjuring tricks and uh a new word for me unlikely to ever be able to use in scrabble um cuz it's really long but yeah. uh yeah so i went with i went more with the i didn't really know this word uh, criterion for this. It's,
1: a, it's also a good way of going down this, uh, segment direction. Yeah.
2: Right? Yeah. yeah do you have one?
1: Do you, Paul? <laughs> um, I, I, I do not, but I'll pick one right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, my word one right is, now, uh, my word is pearl. Um, <laughs> it's a hard, lustrous f- spherical mass, typically white or bluish gray formed within the shell of a pearl oyster or other, uh, Bivalve, bivalve mollusk, bivalved, Bi- yeah. yeah, and highly a
2: pra- uh, highly pr- praised gem. So <laughs> that's my word. It's not a terrible Scrabble word. I mean, I believe E A R and L are all one point, but P is three, and you could. There's a lot of ways you could fuck with it. Like if someone has like ear down, you know, you could drop yeah. that P and L or R L P and uh, L at the end at the beginning. Yeah,
1: or if someone has P and you can just get that
2: R. R L. Yeah, no, that's actually that could that that might be a good Scrabble word depending uh, depending on the situation. I'll I'll go hard next
1: book and pick a really good one. <laughs> I picked that one last minute. Yeah,
0: shit, dude. <laughs> Matt's stuck, dude. Matt's Matt's. How much would you get from just like pesos?
2: Pesos, uh... All we're doing, the, I'm doing all, money again, like Dondalillo. Matt's, Matt's frantically
1: those. Googling, what's the best word in the bo- the Pearl
0: novel? <laughs> in the book that I'm reading.
2: All of, the, uh, all of those letters are one point except for P, but that's true of Pearl also, so... What about ammonia? Um, nah, that would be a lot of points. So the M's yeah, are... Now the okay. M, the, well, not a lot necessarily, but the M's are both three. Oh, yeah, I just yeah. found another good one. How about Jack Rabbit?
1: It's all one word. If someone has Rabbit yeah. down, or Jack, oh, you can't have Jack.
2: Yeah, you Jack, can, I think is a Scrabble word.
1: Like you can jack is? up a car. Oh yeah, true. So yeah, that's a pretty good one.
0: Okay, I'm going ammonia. I know it's a little bit. You you don't want to go for in Scrabble tech right? Like typically, you don't want to go for the long word. Not it's just no a sort of like stunting word. You're not actually unless you're using
2: all of your letters and you get fifty bonus points. Yeah, if you had a nice
1: triple score,
0: Yeah.
1: triple letter okay, score. Okay, well, I'm,
0: I'm gonna I'm double. gonna stick with ammonia. I think as far as just like pointage, it's the best I can do right now. I'm with it. Nice, that's my favorite gas. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: that's awesome, man.
2: <laughs> All right, score time. Dibs not. All right, fine. I'll go first. Uh, I was on the fence with this one, reading it. Um basically I I was I was trying to figure out if it was going to be above or below a 3.5 and then go from there um, and I think talking about it a little bit tonight and reading about it so I get full disclosure I gave it a three on goodreads which to me is below three point5 like I round. Um, I doing a little bit more reading. Like, I think one of the interesting things we didn't really talk about where this, where this falls in like Steinbeck's own life and his corpus, you know, he was f- coming off the success of the grapes of wrath, which was like eight years before this. And he was really trying to sort of reckon with commercial success and money and, and all of that. And I think that kind of plays into his writing of this as well. And all of the other stuff that we've talked about, uh, yeah. So I think there's a lot here. Um, Steinbeck's just got a cool biography. Yeah, he really does. And I and, and reading this book really, really want, makes me want to read more Steinbeck. Like, I, I, I want to read Grapes of Wrath now, uh, and I want to read some of his other stuff. I've never read East of Eden, Matt, like you, so I want to read that. Very religious. Yeah. Um, you don't say. Eden? What? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bump it a little from my Goodreads score, which was below a three point five, and I'm gonna bump it up after tonight's discussion, and I'm gonna give it a three point six two.
0: Holy moly. All right. Uh I was basically gonna give it a three solid. I was doing two I was thinking two point eight, but talking about it, um yeah. Once again, it always tends to be a positive experience to talk about it. So, yeah, I'm going to give it a three even.
1: I was right around a three as well. But I think I'm going to give it like a 2.4.
2: That's a big difference. That's a big
1: dip. Yeah, I just, you know, 2.5 is average. And I just, like, didn't have a good time reading this overall. I mean, it's not a bad book. I would... I would say it's like an average, good time read, but I, I don't know. Maybe his head gets it. blown off. Yeah, which was nice. It should have been. Yeah, maybe two point six. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> um
2: Yeah, I'm just going to stick with two point four. You okay. think it? Okay, you think this book was only point four better? Oh no, you gave altered states like a zero. Matt gave it a two. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I gave altered states like a point five
2: okay still though matt you think this is only one point better than altered states i gave it a three you gave altered states a two
0: yeah okay that means a lot more than i feel like you're even suggesting though two is like bad but fun 2.5 is like average an average three is i'm having a good time don't try and characterize my score as. I'm. 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 I'm not. I'm not. I'm
2: just. It's. 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 I. Okay. Here's a proposal for anyone who's listened to this far. I think for our for our uh, our fifty second episode, our year celebration episode, we should do a a re review of all our past scores. What do we think? That sounds good.
0: That would be funny. Yeah. There's yeah. definitely going to be inconsistencies, so that'll be good. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, that'd All be right. fun. All right.
2: That's my suggestion. Love it. Love All it. Right. and We'll do it. <laughs> All right. All
0: right. Well, that's that. <laughs> 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 that's that thing. That's been another one of these
2: delivered straight to your fucking ears. Yeah. By the Spinecrackers guy. Podcast. Podcast hosts.
1: Thank you to John Spinebeck.
3: <laughs> oh, my God.
0: How did we not make that joke earlier? Thanks for saving that till the end. That yeah. Very good. Yeah.
2: Anyone who listens to the end of this episode is going to get some nugs. Some jewels, yeah. almost like pearl-like jewels.
0: Because <laughs> we need time Speaking of jewels, to be irritated by each yeah. other's presence and ideas in order to mm. develop a beautiful sort of... You know, final take. Yeah, final orb. I hate you both so much that, like, when you talk about the book, I get irritated, and then <laughs> mm-hmm. I start to sort of create a calcium deposit around my irritation, and it creates this beautiful sphere that's worth and a you lot. Poop on it the out m- of your butthole. I'm, I'm- I, poop- I poop it out of my butthole, and then I present it. And on the content market, it's worth quite a bit of money.
2: I'm preemptively mm. changing my score. It's a three point four two, not a three point six. <laughs> Are you? Were you intimidated by our lower scores? I, you I mean, like, uh, oh, yeah. uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, a little bit, maybe. that's psychological, but uh, yeah, yeah, totally. It's you not got a, it, it, by us. It's not over three point five. That's that's mogged. probably not true. I was caught
0: up. I was caught up in the discussion. It's not nothing though, man. Like no. that. That that is like what this podcast, I think, is. Probably majority chunk here to demonstrate, right? Yeah.
1: I'm changing mine to a five. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to change mine to a 2.5.
0: Actually, 2.4. Two, 2.50 yeah. directly
1: right in the middle, smack dab. Yeah, there you go. Nice. In the middle of the pearl. With Price a is
0: right equivocator. Yeah. We figured it yeah. out.
2: Yeah. All right, everyone. Thanks good for good uh, listening. Good night and good luck. We love you. That's that.